A lot of people have been asking about black holes and on and on and on and all of these conspiracy theories. Let's look at this. Uh, Noah says, what else can you think about? Black hole, Bermuda Triangle. And then Deji says, huh, just like the movie Lost. That's what people are saying. I know it's preposterous, but is it preposterous, you think, Mary? I want to check in now with Tim's Martin Savage. At this moment, he is in a 777 flight simulator along with instructor Mitchell Casado. Uh, he is answering a question about zombie flight from Eckstein, who asked if zombie plane theory is true. Because we left with seven hours of fuel, right. and this plane is so sophisticated, it flies and flies and flies until it runs out of fuel. That's the zombie theory. You say the sign-off from the co-pilot, he said, all right, good night, that it still doesn't sit right with you. Why? All right, good night. Uh, he's either way too casual, not compliant, or maybe it's a coded message. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Banal of America Audio, with your host, Tim Banal. No commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Tonight is a very weird evening altogether. We already started out with, with hijinks here uh, on the intro music, and I'm tremendously under the weather, but somehow, uh, after a little visit to the porcelain god 45 minutes ago, I've, I've bounced back, so I'm hoping it'll hold for the next couple of hours, because I suddenly have a lot of energy after expelling my day's worth of, of uh, whatever I can keep down. Nonetheless, see, I told you, Rogan, you got to be honest with the people. you got to let them know what's really going on behind the scenes. So I'm, I'm trying to hold on. This may end up turning into a zombie show, uh, much like the Malaysian Airlines. Are you airline. pregnant? I may just... No, I don't think so. I may just slump over, and then you Is guys are going to have to host the show for a while. And they'll be like, when did the show end? And they'll be like, somewhere off the coast of Australia. Anyway, my guests tonight are good friends of the program. It's way overdue since they were on the show. They've had me on their show and uh, they're long-time listeners to Banal of America, and they're producing something that's fantastic. It, too, much like this program, has no commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and uh, I guess uh, no comparison as well. It's really quite the eclectic offerings from these guys. It's really, uh, it's, it, as I said here on the thing, exceptionally eclectic, esoteric podcast, and that really sums it up pretty well. Wow, Project Archivist is the name of the program, and the two... Guys who run the show are Rojan Razorwire and Lobo Matthias. There you go, Lobo. I got it right. So welcome to the show. It's 11 o'clock at night. I'm, I'm probably going to start hallucinating soon just from the sheer lack of uh, water or anything in my system. So it's going to be a very entertaining couple hours, guys, I think. So strap on in. And welcome to the show. Now, now you talk. This is, where, this is where the show starts. Great. Cool. Well, we're here. <laughs> Thanks for the intro, Tim. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I've already flustered him, Robbie. Don't worry about that. Robbie's asking if we can fluster these guys. Uh, so let's start out with the bio, the background. Uh, I presume you guys flipped a coin before we started the program as to who would start. No. So No. No, no Rollo, we start. Well, one of, you, want, you want me to handle it or you want to handle it this time? We'll start with Ro. Let's, let's, mm-hmm. let's hear the origin <laughs> stories of... Uh, let's hear the origin stories of Rojan Razorwire. How did this all come together in Project Archivist, of course? Don't tell us Lobo's story. We'll have them kind of come together like a 
you know, uh, like a TV movie. My story. Um, yeah. Bu- bu- bu. All right, well. How did you get interested um, in all this? What led you to want to do a podcast? I listen to a whole lot of different podcasts. Um, I listen to you. I listen to Mysterious Universe. I listen to the guys over there on Nightmare. I uh, listen to the 13 Skulls, all of these different shows. When I first discovered podcasting, I uh, up until that point, you really only had Coast to Coast to listen to. And then I discovered the world of podcasting. I found all these shows, and I was like, wow, this is cool. This is a, a great way to get esoteric information. And uh, I was telling you, know, I just started listening to them on and on and on. And then I got to know the host of the 13 Skulls podcast, and he was always, you know, it's, when you're running a podcast, you're busy, and it's hard to find content. So I started contributing to his show behind the scenes uh, way, way, way back. I used to contribute to uh, Mysterious Universe behind the scenes there. But then I started doing segments for TJ with 13 Skulls. I just started recording stuff so he would have less to worry about recording every week. And uh, eventually he was more or less like, all right, you need to move off my couch and go out and do your own thing. And I said, well, I can't, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then as synchronicity would have it, I eventually just kind of fell into place to get all this stuff going to do my own show. And I ran into Lobo, and, and, you know, we kind of just went from there. All right, Lobo, now you fill in your side of this whole thing. And I'll, and I'll decide. There were unicorns right. involved. No. Um, that could be any story. Norwal- and Norwals. <laughs> the, uh, I've always I've been involved the... with. Yeah, Got that's it. the scoop. It was, it was Norwals. There was nothing else involved other than that. Yeah. Well, we met through the 13 Skulls on Facebook, and I guess I will tell a little bit of the story. Um, We used to go, me and Lobo here used to go back and forth. We would have conversations. We would have disagreements, but they would be proper non-screaming disagreements. And then we got into a conversation about the Shroud of Turin, and it got very comfortably heated. It never got uncomfortable, but it turned into a big, long debate about the Shroud of Turin and religion and all that kind of stuff. And it ended really well. And then um, we appeared on another podcast together at the same time. We just happened. We were fans of a mutual podcast, and they had a night, hey, why don't people call in if they want to call in and be on the show? So I said, all right, what the hell? And I called in, and then Lobo called in, and that was the first time we actually met on the air because we don't live anywhere near each other. I live just south of Detroit, and he lives in Connecticut. And then, yeah, you guys um, are pretty far away. Things fell pretty into amazing. Place. That, yeah. Yeah, this all came together We've like only that. met each other in person one time for five minutes, and that was because of my old job. Just happened to take me through his neck of the woods. It was literally long and enough you for only me met to say, hello, five sir. Minutes? Something like that. Yeah, it was only about five or ten minutes. Cause I had, was, I was, oh, Jesus, Lobo. You didn't even take the man out to lunch? I couldn't. He had this crazy woman in the car yeah, with him. That's true. Yeah. That was, he had I, to go back. I was test for a while. I was a test driver for one of the big three, and I had an engineer in the car with me. And she, my boss, was like, "Yeah, you guys go ahead and go for the day. Drive where you want, you know." And I'm like, "I'm going to go up and see this guy. You know, I've never met this guy in person ever, so I'm going to go see him." And we drove up there, and I got there, and I made some joke about Jehovah's Witnesses coming door to door. I was like, "Hi, how are you? Here's my house. Blah blah. Hi, here's my kids. Great. Uh-oh. Blah. Lobo, can I use your bathroom? Yes, you can. All right, sweet. And we're gone. And that was it." <laughs> And since then, it's been a battle to try to get back out there. So hopefully next uh, next year I'll be I'll be flying I'll be driving out there, flying out there, or visiting out there in town sometime. So and that's that's how it all kind of fell together. Um, I called him and said uh, I was I was trying to put together a show, and I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. And uh, there was another buddy of mine. We had a, another friend of ours. It was from a podcast called Transmissions in the Bunker, and he was like, "Don't ever do this on your own. Don't ever do this on your own. Get a co-host. Do something." Or I'll grab you by the ears. That man's a fool. 
And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I do it online. You know, I do. Yeah, it's it, it can be work though. It's it's a it's it can be a burden to keep Hopefully. a conversation going sometimes. So, I know. and then I contacted Lolo and said, "Hey, this is uh, what I want to do, but I don't want to quite do it like everybody else." And it all fell together really, really fast. I think within like three days we had the show hashed out, and then we required we recorded a trial run, and you know we said, "Let's uh, let's give it a go," and we're still going. So you know, here we are. And how long has this been? Pretty going much on? in the nutshell. Three years now? Are we going on three and a half years? I think. I think it's three. Yeah, I think we're at about three years. Um, this. How this many shows? Year, a little over a hundred, right? Yeah. One hundred fifteen, yeah. I believe. Well, it's actually more than that if you do our little side episodes on a little junk we've done here and there. So, you know, we've we I don't know, we're probably at maybe if you count everything, I think we're probably at one hundred thirty-five. Maybe who knows? All so right. We've been going at it for All a right. while. Nice, nice. All right, so it's three years. That's pretty amazing. Uh, it's, it's remarkable that two people can come together like online like that and manage to work together. I, in my experience, that's miraculous. So, <laughs> kudos to you. So guys a lot of mutual not. respect for each other's opinion. It's, it's, the best shows we've ever done have never aired. They've just been con- <laughs> you know, conversations between the two of us. Like, God, I wish we recorded this. So you know. But you know we've got we've got boundaries and stuff like that. Everybody knows what they handle, and we've got our own expertises in different areas. And you know, there's a yeah. lot of stuff. Um, you know, it, it it just works pretty well. So there's a lot okay. of times where I'll call Lobo up and I'll be like, I'm thinking of doing something stupid. <laughs> it was the phone. I just call him out of the blue. I've got this idea, and I'm thinking I'm doing something stupid, and he'll usually respond with, "To your quarter, spill it. What do you want to do? Let's go." <laughs> exactly. It. Yep. Yep. That's how it works. So, um, the first episode we ever kicked around, I think, was we had listened to Linda Godfrey on your show, and we said, we need to, I want to talk to this woman, and I want to do this, and I think the whole series developed from the conversation of how we would interview Linda Godfrey, mm-hmm. and it just went from there. That was at work. It was, yeah. uh, you called me at about midnight, and we talked for about half an hour, 45 minutes, and that was, the show started next, the next week. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Than, well, we I hit mean, the like ground running. You know? Start my show. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty well, good. Now, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, we we don't have one of the things that we do is we don't follow a set format. Like we're not a solid interview show. We're not a solid um, news aggregator show. We're not a solid roundtable show. We'll do we'll do a couple of interviews and then we'll just do shows where ramblecast or we just kind of we decompress and have a good laugh and we'll cover weird news stories and probably throw a little bit of science and stuff in there. And then we'll have roundtable yeah. shows where we just have people on to talk about topics. But we we keep things going and different as much as possible to keep the, the dreaded boredom and, you know, factor setting in. And we try to we try to mix it up a lot. Um we don't we're not necessarily a paranormal show. We do cover paranormal, but we're not gonna cover it unless we can cover things in a different way. Um Yeah. That's I, what I like I always kinda look at us as the same stuff. Yeah, well, we got that from you, actually. <laughs> That's one of the things that we inherited from listening to you over the years. We were like, hey, Tim covers all this weird stuff. We can do it, too. You know, there's no saying we have to cover this, this, and this. Your your Amish episode was a fantastic episode. Um, but we're kind of like, um, we're kind of the Abbott and Costello of the esoteric world, I guess you'd say. I <laughs> there you go. Uh, I thought about using that for your image. But that would have been I funny. Like the Blues Brothers yeah, the Blues better. Brothers image now, is great, though. 
Robbie in the chat room. I had to had to slap him down, as I said uh, in the chat here. I'm sick and grumpy tonight, so I, I'll suffer no fools this evening, my friends. Uh, but but Robbie <laughs> asked if uh, he wants to know where the name Lobo came from, and then we'll turn it over to the chat later for questions. I'm seeing a lot of strange and unusual people in this oh. chat that are, are reminiscent of oh, your fans. So that's exciting. Yeah, our kids will jump on to, that on you. Put, Sorry. Yeah, I'll give a shout out Where to Emmanuel Navarrete and Sater, who I, I've never seen before Sater, in my life. But Sater's the cat who was from. He's from Transmission from the Bunker. He's, I could not. I can't praise the dude enough. He's like he's one of my brothers. He's all like, right, all right. Yeah. Well, he's hanging around in the chat room too. So we'll 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 turn it over to them in a little bit uh, this evening as we get close to the end of the show. But I want to know uh, since it's kind of on topic here, where 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 the low uh, yeah, where are the origins of Lobo uh, Lobo. <laughs> well, my 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 given night my given name is Anthony, and um, I hate it. I've hated it my whole life. Um, you know, and what goes goes along with that? Of course, if you're an Anthony, everybody calls you Tony. About uh, twenty about twenty years ago, um, I belonged to a group, and they decided that they everybody had names. Everybody was given a name. And um, it was a spiritual group, and the name that was given to me was uh, Firewolf. That's the name that I carried for the longest time. And because I'm Hispanic, they decided to start calling me Lobo. And it's I've been called Lobo ever since. My my own family calls me Lobo. So when my wife tags me and things, she calls me Lobo. You know, I have I have aunts and uncles that call me that. So I mean, it, it's just it's if anybody knows out there, I know there's I know Manny's in there, and he's he's Mexican. If you're Hispanic, you're given a name. You just it's what you nobody usually goes by their real name. Like my father's given like name Dr. is Cruz. Everybody calls him Yeah. I guess sure. <laughs> so they all call him like dog, dude. Team. I'm sure his name is like Randy, but they call him dog. Yeah, probably. So. Right? Yeah. What's your name? Reginald. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's exactly. where it came from. It was I was part of a group of people it was a, you know, it was a spiritual group and everybody had a given name. There was Aurora and Venus and Katrina and Ice and we all oh, had Jesus, names. Who was named was Katrina? Name. My wife, actually. <laughs> oh, boy. This is pre-Katrina I ended storm, up I yeah, but This was way before the storm, although she is quite quite a big deal. So, But, yeah, that's, I'm not that's even where touch Lobo that came Lobo, from. No matter how I wouldn't, under the weather I, I am. She's not her. listening, so you can pretty much say whatever you want. She never <laughs> now, although she for, did listen to complete... that part about me calling her Pinkie Pie, so... I have no idea what you're referencing. So this is yeah, a family the show. Let's to try and, yeah. My goodness. Oh, anyway, wow. now for the completists in the audience, uh, Rojan, what will you know? Give us a little on the on the origins of that, because you guys do use these uh, uh, these stage names. Let's call them. The Rojan name. The only reason I use a pseudonym is because I have family that's online. I have kids. My kids are online and stuff like that. And I had watched a lot of people over the years get beat up for their opinions and stuff that they post, et cetera. And I said, well, you know what? Um, I don't get any problem with putting myself out there. If, if anybody listens to the show or anybody in Facebook, you know, all the people that listen to us, we're very accessible. Um, we're not hard to get a hold of. We're very, I hate saying I'm there for my fans, but we're there for our listeners. And we're not hard people to get in touch with and interact with. And, you know, we're, we, we, we're not rock stars. That's, that's one of our rules is we're not rock stars. We try to be very accessible to everybody and be as cool as possible as long as they're cool with us. 
So hmm. I created the whole Rogan name because I tried to years ago create an Xbox Live account. I put in the name Jade Rodan, and something happened. There was a cable glitch or something, and it created the name Rogan. And I'm like, all right, well, I can't change it. And I just kind of stuck with that name, and that became my online presence for video games and World of Warcraft and all this different stuff. And it's just kind of becoming like this online nickname that I've got. And now everybody that knows me just kind of calls me Ro. It's just one of those things that stuck. So it's the only reason I created that whole that whole name was for that very reason, to have some kind of anonymity. And I'm glad I did because we've, we've covered topics on the show before and we've been on other shows and we've had these kooky, wacky, <laughs> born-again Christian people coming after us. And, uh, oh, had, boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah you run into a lot of strange people. Uh, and, yeah. yeah, and that's fine for that persona. I mean, I've, I've got people that I know through the show that know my real name that I hang out with. I've made a lot of great friends through the show and stuff, and those people know who I really am, even though, ironically, they still don't call me by my real name. But um, And I'm glad I've done that because I don't want somebody – getting in touch with my wife on Facebook or my kids and bugging them for something that I do off to the side as a little project or something for fun or whatever, or just, you know, I don't, I like to keep them out of it. And 97% of the people out there understand and respect it and are very cool with it. So I've never run any kind of an issue with it. It's not because I'm trying to be spooky and mysterious and I've got this crazy mystical name. No, it's not that at all. It's just, it's just there. So I have some form of anonymity or, if something happens with the show or whatever, I've got a way I can I can cut that persona and completely walk away from it. But I have had people contact me and say, hey, listen, you know, this is who you are. This is where you live. This is where you work. You know, um, I'm not going to do anything to you or whatever. And it, people have left me alone. So they're like, you're not as secure as you think you are. And I'm like, well, I know I'm not that secure. But, well, who would do that? You know? <laughs> You'd be surprised. Jesus. You'd be surprised. You know, I, I, I have not yet regretted ever coming up with this pseudonym Too is a former professional. I don't know. You know, it's not real hard. There's people out there that can find out where you are and stuff by what you post, pictures you post, and your IP address. There's clever people out there, but you know they were cool about it. I never heard from them again. But they're like, just so you don't think you're indestructible. So you know, but that's that's really the whole reason I do it. Plus, I've got some very religious in-laws, and I've got some very religious family members, and they wouldn't take to the, some of the stuff we cover very, you know, they wouldn't take to it very well. You know, and it's... Huh. You I know, tell it's, them to piss up a rope, so... Whatever. Yeah, I can't quite do that, though. So, But any, yeah, that's the whole story behind it. There's nothing weird or anything to it or nothing. So... Ah, sounds good. That's one of our sounds rules. Good. We're not rock stars, so... Believe me, I know you're not rock stars. No, I'm, just, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm, I'm posting the link here for the... Uh, for the chat room, because some of your some of your uh, followers there can't find it at some point, so we'll try and help them out. Oh, the kids jumping on the bed on you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's like, I just finally found it. I was like, Jesus, dude, it's not. I, I guess it's. I wouldn't know. I have like a back door to get into it. But anyway, let's talk about the big uh, missing flight thing, because I'm just captivated by this. I've been glued to the TV for like the last yeah. week. Uh, I know you're thrilled to hear about it. I know uh, Lobo is. <laughs> A big fan of missing planes, so. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, just, I think it's amazing. I've I've been glued to the TV. I'm like doubly amazed by the by the story and the insane coverage of it all. Uh, I only watch CNN, so maybe they're the only ones like losing their minds over all this. But uh, it's been great to watch. I I don't know. And what I like about it too is that it seems like every moron has a theory, and at the same time, <laughs> you can't disc. We don't know enough to discount anyone's theory, so it's like 
The people that are like, it was stolen and taken to Pakistan. It's like, well, you're an idiot, sir. You're crazy, but we can't any way of disproving your theory right now. So, and I, I, I call this yeah, hypothetical person. As far an idiot, as the theories go, I'm more in that favor one's of probably that the most realistic theory. Yeah. As What's far that? as theories go, that one's probably the most realistic theory out there, you know, compared to know, what, I, what I, the other ones are floating around. Exactly. You know, that one's no, no, the I best. Was, of the theories, I was it being facetious uh, by, by trashing that, yeah. that guy, but I actually <laughs> am more in favor of the of the stolen plane to Pakistan theory than than some of the other ones. But it seems like those don't get any. Uh, they, they they kind of exist in the undercurrent. CNN's not really touching. Part of me feels like we'll just sort of jump in on this. Part of me feels like that the, the U.S. government had to have something to do with this, possibly, or they definitely know where it is and just won't tell anybody because. Even if it crashed in the ocean, they don't want to let anyone know that they track every airplane all the time. You know, then everyone would be like, "Why are you doing that?" You know, so the U.S. government has to kind of play dumb on the whole thing. But I don't, I don't even know what to make mm-hmm. of it. So uh, let me start with uh, Rogan. You, you were kind of going off here, so let me start with you. What, what, just give me your basic idea: what the hell's going on with this story? We don't know. We know that the flight recorders were turned off, and all the little data things were turned off, and then it vanished and went off radar. Um, planes can crash into the ocean all the time, though I do find it a little weird that they haven't found any debris floating in the water or anything like that. Um, I don't really, um, I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to it because I don't like getting caught up. For, well, for one, I'm, I'm a huge, I'm a huge freak about conspiracies. They just drive me nuts. So I'm not one of the Alex yeah. Jones crew. Um, right. I, I like you know it's the whole realm of let's create a conspiracy within minutes of anything happening drives me nuts. Um, so I don't like to speculate too much on it. If there are any theories that I'll hold to, the only ones is either a it crashed or b the idea that it could have been taken and taken to another country is it's also it's that's not a bad one to throw on the table um, because I could see something Those like that happen if you've got a plane. Yeah. The yeah. idea that black yeah, I, holes, I, UFOs, zombie no, planes, you know, all that stuff doesn't hold any water with me. It doesn't because uh, we don't know anything. Um, hmm. And news cycles love to embellish this stuff and run with it because it gets attention, which gets ratings, which sells advertising dollars and so forth. So, hmm. and then the conspiracy theory crowd will get anything and run with it. And like you, being from Boston, you took it on the nose when the Boston bombings, ha- bombings happened and you watched the whole conspiracy news cycle, everything go into full blast when the, when the bombings happened in Boston. So, exactly. you know, you've got to, you know, I, I'm sure within a couple of days you were ready to rip people's faces off because you were just tired of seeing stuff. So mm. I tend to avoid all this stuff, you know, but it, I do find it interesting, the whole, the, the, the UFO, black hole, how these spirit, like no one knows anything. So everybody that's out there grabs onto it and tries to make it theirs to fit their agenda for whatever that means. Yeah. I think when I was putting the clips together, though, I, I heard the black hole part again, and I, I feel bad for the guy because he was just reading some moron's Twitter question, and it was like, now everyone's like, oh, that guy on CNN thinks it's a black hole. It's like, no, nah, he was just kind of, I mean, he was entertaining the moronic idea. He pretty much admitted that, but he, I don't think he really was like, hey, could it have been a black hole? So I feel kind of bad for him, but, you know, like you can hear it, folks. If you listen to the opening clip here, you can hear him. He's like, what is uh, TJ TJ Denklenuts on Twitter says? Could it be a black hole? <laughs> like, oh, dude, don't don't. Why are you even reading that? Well, that's part of the thing. Yeah. By, by the end of the night on here, they run out of. They've gone over everything a million times. So like the final hour, they're like, let's turn to Twitter and see what people are asking, and it's the same questions all the time. 
So what, I, yeah, I agree with you, Roger. I think it's the hype generated. Part of some combination. I think I think it might end up being a combination of the two. To be honest with you, like like the dude tried to hijack the plane and the other guy fought him back and then they accidentally kill each other and then turn into a zombie plane, something like that. I, I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, it's, part it's, of it's, it, you know. the whole going off course thing just doesn't really. Uh, from what I understand, they were like leaving Malaysia and they were on their way to Vietnam and they and they diverted from course and shut down all the stuff like in the one little stretch of air that's like no man's land between the two places. And it's like, if you're going to steal a plane, that's exactly where you do it. So it's like if it was some catastrophic failure, it happened at a insanely perfect time uh, <clears throat> for the plane to go missing. I mean, I guess things happen. And you know something? It could be – it could turn out that the odds say that, that the, if it all came together that way, that like they they were in the no man's land between, between air traffic controls, and that's when everything went haywire. But – Part of me feels like maybe there was some kind of uh, nefarious something going on there. And then things went wrong it, for the guy. It does to have a nefarious feel to it. Because if you think about it, if, if if somebody can get a hold of a jumbo jet, if you're a terrorist organization and you can get a hold of a jumbo jet, you could do a lot with it. You know, you could, hmm. going into speculation here, I'll say that up front, but you could yeah, use well, it the whole story, delivery system. We, let's just get that out know. of the way. I mean, the whole story is speculation. No one, you know, it's it's been two weeks of speculation. <laughs> Everybody is speculating, so you don't have to apologize for speculating. Yeah, yeah so, it's, it, I mean, at this point, we don't know anything, and it could be anything. So, you know, but the, the idea of, you know, aliens and UFOs and all that stuff, that, that's, it's amusing to look at, but I don't look at it with any real seriousness or anything like that. I don't think anyone really does, honestly. I mean, and I, oh yeah, even the people in oh, the yeah. UFO scene. Well, I'm sure there are people that do, but the people in the UFO scene are even like, eh, you know. Yeah. That's kind of. <laughs> that's even that, you know we're embarrassed by those people too. So, but Lobo, why don't you weigh in on the uh, on MH370? What are your thoughts on this big story? Well, I mean, it, it, whenever anybody says that a plane just can't disappear, I still point back to Flight 19, and you know that was that was a bunch of. Uh, a bunch of planes, prop planes, but they were still planes, and they were going over, uh, they were flying out of Florida, they were going to circle around and come back, and they were ended up lost in the quote-unquote Bermuda Triangle, and they still haven't been able to find Flight 19. And that wasn't just mm. one plane. And then there's ships that are lost every year. The, the Cyclops is still missing. That was a giant coal-carrying behemoth that just disappeared that was coming out of South America and supposed to be coming up this way. You know, so stuff... Stuff does disappear. I don't want to say that it disappears under magical circumstances or paranormal or anything, but things, you know, large things do disappear, um, and 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 things do happen. Like in the perfect scenario, I think of uh, I think of what happened in the Edmund Fitzgerald up in the uh, the Great Lakes, and I think about what happened Excellent to uh, reference. Well, you know, and and I think about um, uh, the movie The Perfect Storm that was based upon a uh, fishing uh, a fishing ship. Uh, out in the Atlantic that hit that perfect giant killer wave, the rogue wave that everybody said didn't exist, that ended up swamping them and sinking them. Things do happen that are, you know, that, you know, it's it literally is the perfect storm. They could be, you know, like that particular airplane, you know, everybody's like, oh, the military has this great radar system. Yeah, they have a wonderful radar system. They still can't tell you what the plane is exactly. They can tell you that there's an object there. However, the, the radar right. that's used by air traffic control nowadays can tell you what it is because it goes along with the flight recorder. It goes along with all the instrumentation. It has a it has an idea of what's in the air, and that's how they can they can uh, track them. However, uh, 
radar is only good up to a certain altitude. Once you go below that altitude, it's no longer viable because of hills and valleys and what have you right, get in the, the way. Right, that they hugged the ground and flew away. So, I mean, I could understand to a certain degree that, okay, something that large hitting the water should theoretically live in, leave an oil streak. There should be something that is, um, that's been left behind to show that this plane did sink. But, again, um, you know, there's that saying, dead men tell no tales, and that has to do with the ocean. When it, some stuff just disappears into the ocean, and it's deep and it's vast, and and even if it, even if you know where it fell, depending on what the um, there's different rifts in the water itself. There's um, paths of oceanic currents that move. So if it crashed and went into one particular, if it got caught in that slipstream, it could be pulled miles away from where it initially hit, and you'd never know where it was. So you could be looking in one area, and the actual wreckage should be 20 miles away, pulled by a slipstream in in a current. Yeah, well, they spent for, the first forever. week like looking for it in the wrong place anyway. They were, like, looking all over near Malaysia. And then they were like, oh, wait, it's well, down by Australia. The whole thing is so... The other part of it is it just seems so poorly managed that... You, well, you again, got a bunch I of different it, countries think, involved. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. I think the U.S. government probably were like, listen, we know it's crashed off of Australia. Don't ask us how we know. You know, and then eventually they probably figured out a way to tell everybody. Right. It could so, be I mean, don't you assume the government knows where the plane is? <laughs> or the U.S. government? How, you know, it's kind of scary if they don't. They can read our emails, but they don't know where the plane was. Well, you know, that, well, that's the thing. Everybody's like, well, they can read a license plate off of, uh, you know, from space. They know where cows are. Yeah, but we still have illegal immigrants coming into the country. We don't know how they're getting in or where they're coming from. So if you can track everything, no, you know, everybody know. gives the government. Yeah. Well, they give the government all this, you know, this great power that they know everything and then they call the government stupid so i mean which is it it's either one or the other you can't be all knowing and all seeing and then not know so i mean it's got to be it's it's somewhere in the middle maybe they know that the plane did go down they may not know exactly where it went down but i mean in 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 the interest of of where it was does, does does the u.s government really have a stake in that i mean it was so far off the coast of anything even owned by the united states that they're why would they even care you know, I understand that we had, what was it, three or four people on the plane that were U.S. citizens? Mm-hmm. But in the, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, they've done testing on peop, on our own citizens. Yeah, so no, no, no. they don't care about the actual people and stuff. I, You know, I right. think they just keep an eye on the skies, and they probably would have some inclination of a plane that just stand. crashed. You know, yeah. but they wouldn't be able to tell anybody because it's like, why are you watching, you know, off the coast of Australia, you maniacs? So, but <laughs> well, we do have buildings in Australia, so I mean that makes some sense. I mean, we have an yeah. air base um, off of, up in Warmera in, in Australia that is, you know, the, gov- the U.S. government is a part of. That's you know missile range well, and, and stuff way, like that. They, they have they, they they like have these these like Google Map and they have like three or four other services like that that people are like looking on to try and find the plane. So if they have that for the regular. Yeah, people, but those aren't current to the moment. Those, yeah, they're like services, four days they old only, or something. Yeah, something like that. They're not they're not always current up to what's going on. That's why I made a joke about Courtney Love. She said that she found it off oh, a yeah. Google Maps picture. You know, and it's just like squiggly lines in the water. These are oil and this blotch of color right here, that's wreckage. Could this be the plane? It's like, really? Courtney Love? Seriously? Real? No? <laughs> yeah. But for real? <laughs> I have a feeling that no, Courtney Love is not the, plane. the same level of technology that the US government <laughs> intelligence agencies are. Hope. So so it's exactly. like Presumably, if if the public has these 
four-day-old satellite images, then the government probably has much more advanced stuff. That's what I'm saying. I would imagine they have imaging that's up to the hour at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's enough satellites in the sky that they can take things from that I imagine they – That's. I mean, it's our job to know. It's the U.S. – it's every government, every world government's job to know. You know, that's kind yeah, of what makes them Yeah, you that too, like the Chinese and the Russians and stuff. I'm not just sure. saying, you know, it's the, it's the American government. It's like, shouldn't the Chinese and the Russians have crazy super satellites that watch all this stuff and know when these things happen? Well, you'd think I'm, that I'm disappointed in the you. tyranny. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good quote. <laughs> Man, I thought we were like in 1984 here, but it turns out we're really in 1994. I don't know. Well, yeah. really, I, yeah. if you are those countries, do you want to reveal your hand by saying, no, we have this technology and we can track it this far and exactly. we can do this and that, you know? And America's like, well, these people are stupid. They don't have that. Te- oh, wait, they do have that technology. Well,. You know, if you're a foreign country and you have a technological advantage to find that stuff, do you really want to be giving that information out? Yeah. Hmm. How long was the U-2 flying around before anybody knew it was even up there? Yeah, really. You know? I mean, it took one to be exactly. shot down. So by the all these countries, they're, like, debating it, you know, whether uh, how to tell people or how to flip the clue in. But that, I, I, I'm, I'm leaning more towards the idea that it just crashed, but... I, I as I teased earlier uh, with the where I kind of made fun of the hypothetical guy. I do hope that it landed somewhere. That seems to be the the twisted hope. You hope that some crazy person took it and landed it somewhere. Maybe these people are okay, or you know. But I have a feeling even if some dead. crazy person landed yeah. it somewhere, two weeks later they're probably all dead. Yeah. 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 But it's actually scarier you know. if somebody did take the plane and land it somewhere. That's that's a whole bunch of scariness in itself. Because if somebody's got a plane, you know, if somebody has one of these things to be able to do something like, you know, they've got a delivery method. But on the same token, it's not that hard to buy decommissioned old planes if somebody wanted to do this too. So, you know, it's hard to say. It's an awful lot of work to go through to hijack a plane that if you have enough resources, you can buy a decommissioned one and do stuff with. Yeah, for Christ's sake, right. you can buy here's a, a crazy theory I just Here's a crazy theory I just made up. So we'll see. we'll see if we can get this on CNN next week. What? <laughs> Maybe the U.S. government, right? Maybe they have sophisticated enough technology where they just sent some rogue uh, plane of their own, right, like Stealth 2K or whatever, over, and it just picks up the plane, takes it to Area 51. And, like, the other governments watch. They know. They have the satellites, so they see what happened, and they're like, we can't – first of all, we can't tell everybody that the U.S. government stole the plane and took it back to Area 51. So, now it, it yeah, was more of a boat. Yeah, you just lost me. From yeah, America. To pretty sure like, you just lost me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, based yeah. on what we know, it could happen. could be possible. Based this on is what where I stare off into space and spit drips out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I cheer for the story, so I'm trying to come up with the most outlandishly <laughs> awesome thing. Maybe it was, I guess the, the, the root of that is maybe it was like, maybe it was just some kind of tactical boast by the United States during all this Ukrainian thing where they're like, yeah, dude, you can invade countries and shit, but we can make a plane disappear. So <laughs> you really want to fight us, Russia? Because we just made a plane disappear, man. So go take Crimea. We're fine with that. Because we we'll didn't make need David Blaine. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Exactly. So we'll keep that in mind. Maybe on, on another layer, there's some boastfulness going on here. <laughs> Not really. Uh, anyway, so w- tell me about some of these weird. Actually, I, I'm trying to think of anything else to talk about on here. Is it? Someone wants to know how much longer you think they'll search for this thing. What do you What do you think, Lobo? Um, Forever? I give it another week. No, I give it another week. Another story will come up, and people it'll fall through the cracks. 
if they haven't found it by now, there'll be some small outlier uh, outlier uh, articles that cover it, but it'll fall through the cracks. It's, it's what always happens. For God's sake, yeah, I have a feeling know, on Monday it's going to be. Well, on Monday it's going to be like moved to page two. Yeah, I mean every well, we look, look, and, look past history. Yeah, exactly. It's lost in the shuffle. You know, something else comes up. It's the it's you know the flavor of the month, the new hot topic, and, and it falls through the cracks. It's unfortunate, but that's just the the media people that watch the media and and seriously take it for face value and and believe everything they say. They're just interested in the next tragedy. You know, that's all they're interested in. That's they want to know. You know, who got robbed. You know what? You know what blew up. Who's in a war? Who? You know what? And the whole time they're you know worried about you know starving children in other countries. They don't care about people here. It's just it's just the way it is. It's crap. Yeah, whenever the next money making story comes along, that'll be what they latch on to because that'll be what gets the ratings. Yep. You know, or they'll default to politics. You know. I mean, seriously, how I long did Sandy Monday Hook get we'll in? start to see it move down. What's that? Yeah. yeah. How long did Sandy Hook get coverage? I mean, realistically, Sandy Hook got coverage for, what, a month? And then it was, you know, kind of back burner. The Boston Marathon bombings, that got a, a month, and then it was yeah. it was to the back burner. Even with all the conspiracy This didn't even things. happen in America, so it'll... Exactly. I think, so. uh, yeah, yeah. I think uh, by Monday it'll start to move. I think they've already said that the... The daily press conferences from the government, Malaysian government, are going to move now to like every other day or something. So they're already kind of like, all right, uh, we got a country to run here, so we can't keep looking for this plane. Um, yeah, shit you know, disappears I think all this, the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell that to the I'd people that, that lost loved ones, Lobo. Well, yeah, I, well, you know what? It's again, <laughs> it's unfortunate, but you know, I mean, I for Christ's sake, when I was eight years old, my grandfather. No, my grandfather shot himself when I was eight years old. We were sad for a while. Every once in a while it comes back up, but shit happens. You move on. That's the way life is. It hurts, and it slowly gets dull, more dull as, as time goes by, but it's still in the back of your mind. You know, the longer you sit on it, the, the, uh, the longer it just eats at you. It's the same thing with the stories. You know, yeah, the plane disappeared. Yeah, people lost loved ones. Time yeah, heals all I think they just need closure on what happened to it. You know. yeah, I suppose. I mean, we still don't have closure on Amelia Earhart. So, I mean, well, that's debatable. Uh, that's debatable. Yeah, that is debatable. True. Plus, that was just one lady so, like a hundred years ago. We've we've moved. Uh, after she was a really years, important lady, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just <laughs> broad. She's gone. Well, I don't uh, know. The she lost. She's a woman flying a plane. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Jesus, I didn't know we were gonna get we were gonna work blue tonight. What is this, Don Rickles here with me? Don Rickles, my God! Oh my God. <laughs> well, tell me, well, tell me about you guys' weird uh, preoccupation with serial killers because uh, they seem to come up a lot on your program. Once a year, actually, um, every no, year on Thanksgiving, and not Thanksgiving. Well, uh, well, we're. If we have a niche, I would say it's it's strange history. We're we're very fascinated by very odd strange history, because um, that stuff like, well, I, I can't really speak for Lobo, but for myself, UFOs, ghosts, and stuff like that, they're of interest to me, but not real big interest to me because we don't know really for sure what's out there. That's debatable of who you talk to, of course. Whereas serial killers, weird history, 
this stuff happened and still does happen. Like there are serial killers and that really is terrifying to me because it could be the guy next door or what have you. Um, Lobo is more of a serial killer than I am. I'm more into whoa, 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 whoa. Wow. serial killer. Serial killer expert. Let me let me be, let me be specific on that. He's more wow, of a serial killer revelation than I am. tonight. Um, but I'm more into old serial killers like you know uh, Bella Kish, Joseph Vacher, you know all all the really old people from history that history kind of forgot about that are just as weird. Whereas Lobo was more of a, a modern serial killer enthusiast. I don't even want to use that word. That's but uh, you know, like, well, did we cover Vacher? Uh, no, we, we haven't. That's one of the, we, and we shouldn't talk about it because that's going to be that, that's an ace in the hole. Well, I can cover. I can at least cover Vacher. Yeah, I, yeah, all right. There's so, enough information on it. You, you want me to cover somebody? I can cover somebody for you if you want to there, Tim. Sure, cover somebody. Okay. Well, you got there's this guy named Joseph Vacher. He was French. Um, he was known as the French Ripper. Correct me if I'm wrong on this stuff, level because I'm really going off of memory here. No, you're right. I think he killed 11 people from 1894 to 1898, maybe 1897. And he's kind of like um, – he was this guy that – like. He kind of drifted all over the southeast of France, and he was known because he had this big scar on his face, and he was kind of like this Daniel Boone guy. He had a handmade um, like white rabbit hat that he would wear. So he was just this guy meandering along the countryside, and he killed, I think, um, I think he killed 11 people. Yeah, it's tentative on his numbers, but that's as close as well, they can get. 11 they could get because yep. one of them was a woman and 10 of them were teenagers. I think it was a mix of boys and girls. Mm-hmm. They were mostly shepherds that were out in the countryside. That was how he would go out in the countryside. He would just sneak up on them and kill them, which is terrifying if you've got kids and you think about that. Um, he would he would kill them. His modus operandi was he would kill them by stabbing them. He would disembowel them, and then he'd rape them. You know, he'd just do whatever he had to do. But when they caught the guy, Jesus. If, yeah. When they caught the guy, he claimed that he was crazy because he was bitten by a dog as a child. So I guess he tried to use the rabies defense or something like that. He'd have been like dead way before that if he had rabies. Exactly. And then um, this is later like on, he 18, changed the story. 1890s, you say? Yeah. Yeah, it was like 1895 to 1898 or 1894 to 1897, somewhere somewhere in yeah. that range. It was a brief run. Yeah. but um, In retrospect, it was a brief run. He later on changed his story to say that he was a messenger from God. Of course. Um, and then he, I guess he was executed by guillotine. Yeah, it had to be around 1897 because he was executed in 1898. I know they had to drag him to the guillotine. They actually had to drag him up there, and then they cut his head off. So, you know, that was one of them. And, you know, that's the, those are the kind of people that – because you don't hear about them kind of people anymore, but these are the people in history that these things did happen with. Uh, Kish is another really cool one. He's, I won't say he's my favorite, but he's another cool guy. That was that he was he had a bizarre story behind him too. So there's, there's you know there's that's the stuff that that I think really um, that the, the old history is the stuff that we're really really into. Given a chance to talk about old history, or have somebody on the show that's really into strange old history, we'll grab them up in a heartbeat. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. If, hey. Science or old history is something we really latch on to. See, he's my my well, minor yeah, more contemporary. Good realm I mean, to explore. Forgotten. I, I follow the really. more contemporary guys, as as Rose yeah, said. Your, not yeah, not you're, Wall. You're, you're, well, the thing that gets me that it just last week, um, a gentleman gentleman, I'm going to use the term loosely, uh, last name Bergwell. He was also known as Thomas Quick. Uh, he's over in Europe, and he was just released. He's the cannibal serial killer. He was released from prison. So he's out walking around the street. Yeah, that's right. He was yeah. just released. I can't believe they actually released him, but their laws over there are... How many people are, did he um, eat? 
Uh, I believe it was 15. His number oh, was wow. 15, and they, it wasn't. Ju- he didn't just eat them. I mean, he was brutal. He was a serial killer. I mean, he was a bad man. But the fact that he's walking the streets, and he, I guess he found God or something. That's what his How did he get out? What was, what was the way he was released? Yeah, no, how he did he was get released. out? He served his time. He served his time. For killing 15 people? That's the, you, you only you, yeah, they don't, get they out don't, of jail for they don't that have, in Germany? You've got to realize, they don't have, I think, it was, I think he's from Sweden, but they don't have laws like we have here. You don't stay in prison for your entire life. You serve your time in Urawa. Hmm. You know, they don't have the death sentence. They don't have the things we have. We're, we're considered, you know, behind the times. I swear there was some kind of a loophole or something <laughs> he used to get out, though. I don't think so. Maybe it's the finding of the dog part. I can't yeah, imagine that, they, that someone could get convicted of eating 15 people and still, and, and they wouldn't just change the law. He's like, you know what, dude? I guess. I guess. That's some weird stuff. You should try and get him on your show. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> would you interview, uh, I mean, would I, you interview the, the, the German cannibal if you could? Uh, I, you know I what? I'd like to talk to him, but I wouldn't. Yeah, I, wouldn't I could put it together if you'd like to. <laughs> Sir Bergwell. I don't know if he speaks any English. We'd have to have a translator. We'll get. We'll, I talk we'll get to an him. interpreter. Yeah, I, I think we would talk to him. I'd be curious to find out as a way of trying to try, try to figure out what's going on inside the gas head or something like that. Yeah, that's the thing that draws me. I'm fascinated by the human condition. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, mean, I agree with that. They're you know they any anybody. I mean, you look at look at any of the serial killers within the last fifty years. You look at John Wayne Gacy. You look at uh, Ted Bundy. You look at um, the son of Sam. You look at any of them, and they look like they look like anybody. The BTK. I mean, he he looked like anybody. He, he he was active in his church. He was active with the with the Scouts. They look like everybody else. They have a really dark chameleon like ability. So dark that they blend in with everybody. You know that hmm. the, the show Dexter. Is a you know everybody's like well this isn't going to be realistic no you know what most serial killers they look like everybody else they don't look like the one the serial killers you see in the movies that's why American Psycho yeah, is such a great be, horror movie yeah they wouldn't be successful serial killers if, if everyone was like ah oh, that guy oh. looks like a like a serial killer well Ted Bundy was 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 spoken of as a charming man and and um, Bundy I mean not Bundy uh, Gacy was was spoken of as as a kind and caring gentleman. These are people that are so good at disillusioning people where they fit in. That's the thing I think that that disturbs me the most. They're so – they have the ability of fitting in so well. That should be the first giveaway. This guy fits in too well. Something's wrong. But it's – you never – you don't see it until after the person's caught or apprehended. Well, look at H.H. Holmes. I mean, he did how many – and he yeah, built a freaking Holmes, hotel. Holmes was Holmes had other things going on. I mean, he was a he was a thief, and he was known for his his um, kind of off the handle behavior at times. Yeah, he was yeah, a straight up vagabond, and he like just take that lady's would, kids and travel across the country with them while he was murdering. Like he he had a quite a story. He was a wild man. Who's that? Holmes? He did all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Holmes was. I mean, the only guy that was really uh, considered a serial killer that was really like. You knew the dude was just bad just by looking at him. Was Albert Fish? He was just a bad dude, you know. Or or Carl Panzram too. He was a. I'm still awesome. He's probably my favorite serial killer. Was Carl Panzram? Panzram. Favorite dude. Tell me about this guy. <laughs> tell me about your. Tell me about your friend Carl. Carl Panzram was. Uh, he was just a fascinating guy. He he was he bounced around to different homes 
growing up. He was he was um, brutalized. He was raped as a child, and he just got got to the point where he just he turned into a monster. He literally turned into a monster, and he started outwardly brutalizing people. I mean, he killed he killed dozens and dozens of people, and his big boast was that he sodomized over a thousand men and boys. That was his big. Yeah. Claim. I mean, when he was on, when he was getting ready to hung, be hung on the gallows, he told the guy to hurry up, you Hoosier bastard! I could have killed what ten men in the time it takes you to tie that one knot. What wow, he was saying Jesus. was, I wish the whole, he said, "I wish the whole world had one neck so that he could put his hands around it and strangle it." The guy was, he was, and he was friends with the Birdman of Alcatraz. He actually was friends with the guy. Okay, he got, so the Birdman like of Alcatraz. No. When was this? No, he was... When did he When did he finally die? When was he executed? I don't remember. We covered him. We've covered yeah, him a couple times, though. Quite a few times. We've used him in yeah. quotes, and there's a, there's a really good... Name? on Netflix? Carl Panzram. There's, there's a good documentary on Netflix available about Carl Panzram. I would... I, every time he comes up, I, I recommend it highly because it goes behind the man. There was actually a warden, a junior warden that was gained his trust because he'd been brutalized in jail by the wardens and the guards. And this guy gained his trust and he actually wrote like a diary of sorts of everything Panzram did. Panzram told him his whole life story. And this dude wrote it down or he had Carl wrote it. He'd sneak paper in and a pencil and Carl would write. If he, if we didn't know if this, if this guy didn't bring this paper in, we, he would have just drifted away into obscurity. But he he did, and then wow. then when the Birdman wrote his book, his memoirs, he spoke of Carl Panzram as well. So I mean, the dude was he just fascinates me. The guy just fascinates me. See, that's why this stuff yeah, is frightening theory. because these people are real. This, these people are out of the street walking around. UFOs and aliens and things like that they exist kind of in this world eighth or other world thing. These people are out there. They could be your neighbors. They could be anywhere. So. You know, you don't walk down the street thinking, oh, I'm going to get abducted by aliens tonight, but there is a possibility of the serial killer could kill you. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, that yeah. stuff is, that's the stuff that's really frightening when it comes down to it. That's the stuff that hits people. When you hear about these people and these things, it hits you in a nerve. Yeah, 1930, you're right. September you're right. 5th, 1930. That's when he died. Yeah, 1930, yeah. I was just going to say that, yeah. Weird stuff. No, I agree with you. It's the same uh, kind of connects earlier to the to the missing plane. Like weird things that actually have have happened and could happen that we know for sure, you know. Yeah. Like I think now everybody gets on a plane is going to be like, oh, I hope it doesn't disappear like that Malaysian, you know. Well, hell, I was coming back from Mexico last year. A plane almost crashed with me on it. You know, I literally was almost in a plane crash when I was coming back last year from Mexico. So, you know, it's and I'd get on another plane and fly again. Actually, I did. I ended up flying like a month later back to the same place again. Nope. So. Yeah, really. Nope. <laughs> nope. Jesus. But, uh, well, what know, is it about the alternative science things. you like? I know that you are good friends with my good friend uh, Tyler Coke John. We're kind of all in the same. Uh, we're kind of all in the same circle here. So talk talk a little bit because he's been on your show a million times. So talk about him. He's been <laughs> on BOA Audio just 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 once, but he'll be back. Um, but he's been on you guys' show a lot. So uh, he's sort of like your science advisor, let's say. So. Tell me about the insights that Tyler has provided well, you guys over the years. There's a there's a reason. Well, Tyler will come on and talk about. He'll talk about 
science as well as paranormal. Um, he's he's really good at taking sciencey stuff and putting it into terms where the layman, the everyday person, can hear it and go, "Oh, okay, I know what this guy's talking about." Um, he's very knowledgeable. He's very easygoing. Um, he's somebody that we can just call up and shoot an idea at him. He'll say yeah, or you know, say yeah or nay, or he's willing to come on and talk about the stuff with us. So he's always, you know, we're, we have a really hard time getting scientists on our show. A because they look at our site, and a lot of them have said, you know what, you I see on here that you've talked about Bigfoot and werewolves, and and you've talked about all these things, and it's like, yeah, but we've also talked about all this stuff too. You know, we do talk about things that are skeptical in nature a lot. But a lot of them, they just don't want to do that. Or they're off doing sciencey things. That's why they became scientists. Um, huh. Tyler, who I'm pretty sure is probably out there listening right now, who needs to get off his ass and create his own blog. Um, <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> Actually, yeah. I've been telling him the same thing. Now, he's the guy, the guy's the, one of the foremost researchers on Alzheimer's disease, and he spends his day trolling us on Twitter. But, uh, <laughs> No, but he's um he's just somebody we can we can throw ideas at him and he's got practical, real intelligent, easygoing stuff to say about it. We could have him on to talk about UFOs and his experiences as well as talking about gene research, germ warfare, all of these different things. Um he's real good at putting gloom and doom out there. Um Yeah, he is. But he's just he's really knowledgeable and really easy approach and easy to talk to and he's got a very open mind. He's not closed off to the idea that people are seeing UFOs or people are having experiences. He's not somebody that says we should discount this and write it all off. He's willing to look into the stuff and research it. But at the same time, he could just as easily talk about science, pure hard science stuff in an easy to understand way. So, you know, it's one of the reasons he comes on a lot is because he makes himself accessible to us and he always gives us an open ear and he gets what we do. Um, another one of our rules on the show is is we always take what we're talking about very seriously. We don't take ourselves serious by any means, but the topics that we cover, those do get taken care of seriously, and they do get talked about appropriately. So we can go on and be knuckleheads, but when we're talking about germ warfare and all of these different things, we, we mean what we're talking about. We're very, very interested in this stuff, and Tyler gets that, and that's one of the reasons he comes on a lot. Um, like we were talking about the cloning of the mammoths and stuff like that. And he can come on and put that stuff in practical terms where people can understand and say, yes, we're doing this, but this could happen and should we be doing this? I'm of the opinion, yes, let's clone, you know, mammoths and things like that. Um, yeah. Let's clone silence. Let's do this stuff. And he says, well, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Yes, it's okay to ask those questions and we should be asking those questions, but we're going to do it anyways. Once the Pandora's box has been opened and once people know that we can do these kinds of things, it's going to get done. The important thing huh. is that we are asking these questions, should we do this? As long as that stuff is in the back of our mind, you know, I think we'll be okay. It's like when we created the atomic bomb, should we create the atomic bomb? We could destroy the world with these kinds of things. And, of course, we made more and we did more and things like that. We have yet to blow ourselves up because we know the destructive potential that we have. So... You know, that's that's my attitude about it. Um, Tyler's also very good about giving neutral opinions and things like that as well. Well, you've talked to the guy. I mean, he's it's funny because the guy, he doesn't have any books, doesn't have a podcast, doesn't have a blog. He's not selling anything. Um, he's putting himself out there to talk about all these esoteric and strange issues. You know, he has a reputation to, to be thoughtful. There were a lot of scientists who are like, I can't go on and talk about this stuff. And he does, and he's willing to do it. And that's yeah, I think really he has cool. tenure, so he's a little safer than a lot of other scientists. But. 
Well, even still, a lot of scientists get real huffy about that kind of stuff, or they become the very hardcore skeptic along those lines. Hmm. Science is um, it's kind of like religion. You have you have your hard science and you have your hard religion. And as far as beliefs about paranormal religion and stuff, I think we tend to kind of fall in the middle or as much in the middle about this stuff as we possibly can. And he gets that, and that's why we like having him on. Plus, he's got you know he's got fans. You know, we say, "Hey, Tyler's coming on our show." Those episodes are almost always the most downloaded episodes because when he comes on, we always have interesting, great conversations and topics with the guy. So he's on point, you know. No, he's solid. He's a good guy. I'm glad you guys give him yeah. uh, a platform. Yeah. Love, I would say something. Do more. <laughs> something. Oh boy. <laughs> I I'm just I um. Tyler and I have an interesting relationship. Um, I've uh, always been, mean? I've always been a science-based individual. I, I love, I love science. It's just, I don't want to say it's a religion because I, I, for me, it's not. But um, I, Tyler's a gigantic brain. And I just want to get in that brain. I want to know what's, how it ticks. I want to know how it works. And every time I speak to him or we chat back and forth on text or email or, or on Twitter, I get a little more of that insight. In, no, <laughs> a little more of that insight into how Tyler works. He fascinates me. I think we'd be like that with any scientist that we know. If we knew more scientists, we'd be like that with all of them, though. Yeah, well, it's not, you know, it's not just Tyler. I mean, like when Ben Radford's on, I want to know what's going on inside his head. Because ben, ben fascinates me as well. You know, when, it's like when, I get on, when, I, when, I'm, on, um, when I'm on Skype with, with uh, Seder, I want to get inside his head. Because Seder's, he just interests me. Everything, he just interests me. There's certain people... That's just like when you call me at work, Tim. I want to know what's going on inside your skull. You know, I'm, then, you know, say, I I Lobo, to... I'm starting to think Lobo is a serial killer. This... <laughs> you don't want to wear. You don't want to wear. A very analytical right. person. What's that? You don't want to wear. No, I don't want to open. Right. No, I don't want to open your skull up. I don't want to do that. Not anymore, at least. No. So. Well, if you're within driving distance. When... I don't need that kind of trouble. I, yeah, you're only an hour and fifteen minutes away from me. <laughs> well. Um, no, it's when, when I'd, I'd listen to BOA for the longest time, and then we got to be friends, and I, I consider you a friend. And yeah, I'll say you're a friend. when you call, I, I look forward to it, because when the phone rings, like, oh, it's Tim, and I know I'm going to have a good conversation. It's like when Roe calls. You know, I know I'm going to have a good conversation, even if it's only about whether or not soda is soda or pop. It's still a good conversation. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, we're randomly talking Cola. about bananas. Well, I guess you know, so. I, of the two, I'd have to say it's soda. Everyone knows that. Well, you're out here in New England with me, so... God, you bastards. <laughs> you're a That's pop That's an ongoing fan? battle. On. He, yeah, he I'm from Michigan. We call it pop up here. We, we call we call we, we we don't call it soda. We call it pop. Red pop, you know. Probably we just call thing. it pop. I don't... Maybe it is. I don't know. I never paid attention when I was in Canada. It's one of those things. So, I know everybody to the south calls it. I think down in Florida they still call it pop, though. It's a it's a weird. Actually, somebody posted a chart on Facebook about what was what it was called by region. If you call something, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called. That's what I hate it. While going to a restaurant, they'll be like, "What kind of what kind? What do you want to drink?" I'll be like, "What do you got? We got orange Coke, Sprite Coke, uh, Diet Coke, uh, (laughs) root beer Coke." They call it orange Coke. Coke. That's crazy. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah a Coke? Yeah, when I was down in North Carolina, I made the mistake of saying I wanted a Coke. And the woman just stared at me, what kind? I'm like, I want Coke. I want the, the dark brown stuff that burns when you drink it. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, what I want. Coke. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, root beer Coke? I want the white stuff. Like, no, just like, if beer. I wanted root beer, I'd say root beer. <laughs> oh, God. I'm probably getting exactly. off all of southern... <laughs> Quick announcement for two of Greendale's finest. Payday is postponed until next week, so this is my freestyle rap apology. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Well, I'm a peanut bar, and I'm here to say your checks will arrive on another day. Another day, another dime, another rhyme, another dollar. Another stuffed shirt with another white collar. Criminals, Wall Street, taking the pie, and all the black man gets is a plate of white lies. Prisons recruiting them, police be shooting them. Rap artists looting them, labels all diluting them. Barack Obama is scared of me, because I don't swallow knowledge, and I spit it for free. Let me clear my throat. <laughs> I don't know what that was, I don't. I don't know what that was. Another thing, uh, you guys, another person you guys have covered a lot on the show that uh, we've never touched on here, and I'm interested in why you guys are so enamored with this character, is H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. We've done a few oh my God. Uh, shout-outs, mentions, and programs about, about this character, so... Tell me a little bit about uh, your fascination with Lovecraft and where that comes from. Hold on. Before we do this, you realize this could just take up the whole show here. And just with Lobo <laughs> alone. So are you sure you want to go down this road? <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't see why not. Well, all right. Uh, now, nah, nah, I'm con- con- concerned, but just tell me tell me about it. Lobo, you live kind of near the, the, the stomping grounds, right? I live in I'm, – I'm, I'm an hour no, – I'm, I'm roughly two hours' drive to the man's – last place of living, his last place on this wretched earth that he lived, where his body still is in Providence, Rhode Island. So, I mean, he's the grandfather of all horror, the modern horror. I mean, before before Lovecraft, you had um, Machen, and you had Dunsany, and you had Poe. Now, Poe, Lovecraft is like the direct... um, successor as far as um, the ambient horror to Poe. Poe, I mean, the Telltale Heart could have been a Lovecraft story. Um, You know, uh, The Witch House could have been a Poe story. Um, He is the father of all horror. I mean, mean, when you have people like... um, you know, Wes Craven and John Carpenter and Stephen King and, and uh, Del Toro, you know, speaking the praises of a guy who died 77 years ago and he's still pertinent today, that's pretty special. You know, the guy, his, his stories don't really translate that well into movies because his stories are pure um, atmosphere. You know, it's... It's, it's very cerebral. Yeah, it's it's it, he's if you go if you come into um, Lovecraft at a later age if you if you don't start reading it when you're like in your early teens, um, it's not a real easy kind of reading. You know, it's it's not a stripped down style. It's not a, a particularly um, beautiful style. He had a baroque way of writing things, but you know he. He wrote it to his taste. It was what he wanted. He was one of his most um, 
staunch advocates against his writing. He thought he was bad. He thought he was a horrible writer. He didn't – I mean, you think about all the stories that he put in the bin that never even made it to paper to, to be able to be saved. I mean, he just – he created creepy sci-fi slash horror. He's the guy. There yeah, like anybody before yeah. him, and there really hasn't been anybody of his, you know, ilk since. When you see movies like The Thing, um, that's love. Uh, when you see Alien, when you see uh, Prometheus, when you see um, a lot of Wes Craven films, these are all direct pull-offs of H.P. Lovecraft. Lovecraft was the first person to put like the unspeakable horror out there where he would give you no, just enough description to where you had to build the creature or whatever was going on inside your head. He was one of the first people to use like the tentacled monster, you know, or, or the, the thing in the dark out in the distance coming to get you. Um, he was also very sci-fi. He was one of the first people to write about alien creatures coming from different planets. Most of the big gods and things like that, the big creatures that don't really care about humanity that are driving everybody crazy, they all they all come from the stars. We're inconsequential. And, Human beings yeah. are inconsequential. That's the best part. It's, yeah, we were, we were. Human beings are inconsequential in his writings, and all of these things have all come from different planets and different worlds. Yep. Now we take this kind of writing for granted, but when you go back and you read this stuff, you go, oh wow, this is where this all came from. When you go back and you really read a lot of H.P. Lovecraft stories, and you're looking at them for what they are, and you realize how old they are. You know, you kind of go, oh, wow, this is this is where all this came from. It's kind of like rock and roll. You go back and you listen to old blues and a lot of old music, and you go, whoa, this is where rock and roll came from. But yeah. at the time, Lovecraft wasn't really recognized for being no. anything because he was so far ahead and so kooky for what he was doing for his time. The best people could say was, this is garbage. You know, this yep. is... He had a following. He yeah, did have a following underground. back then, but not like it is here. I mean... He wrote in pulp magazines. He wrote for Weird Tales. He wrote for Strange Brew. He wrote for a few different um, pulp magazines. And, you know, they were, I mean, they're sought after by collectors now. You know, the Weird Tales magazines that have original runs of, you know, uh, The Call of Cthulhu and The Shadow Over Innsmouth and, you know, uh, The Lurking Fear. They, those stories were... You didn't have before you had um, Lovecraft, like Roe was saying. You know these the gods that were spoken of, the monsters that were spoken of, they were borrowed from Greek mythology, or they were borrowed from, you know, the, the pantheon of gods. I mean, when when Dunsany was writing his stories, he took a lot of his information from the King James version and nothing else. So you know his, the stuff that he was you know. At the end of the day, God was looking out for you. You were going. The good guy was going to win. And when Lovecraft, yeah, Lovecraft, no one's looking out no. for you. you. You go where you go, and that's you were, what you're done. You know, and if you, if Lobo, you, I mean, uh, Lovecraft created his own mythos. He created his own gods. Yeah. He he was one of those first people to create a world. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just yeah. like all the stories; they all were linked. And he was one of the very first people to do that. Yep. You know, and that was that was what made him so. So so different and so incredible, but again, he was so flipped out. People were like this is garbage, you know, blah 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 blah. And now, when you go back and you look at it, you're like, wow, this is where this is where all this stuff came from. And that's that's why he's so important to us because we're able. Again, it goes back to weird history. We're able to look at that and go, wow, this is where this came from. This needs to be appreciated. This needs to be respected. So mm. you know, I'm I'm into all kinds of different authors like that too. But yeah. that's that's one of the things that we do. We look at and we say, wow, this this stuff is important. This is strange and there's it's Lovecraft is also, I think he had a lot to do with steampunk. 
where he he's become a lot to do with steampunk. Well, steampunk you, when I went to that wedding over in the Mark Twain um, Mark Twain Museum over in Hartford, over here in Connecticut, they had a steampunk exhibit that was traveling around the country, and there was a section in the steampunk exhibit of Lovecraftian inspired steampunk. You know, there's a there's a story called the um, the Whisper in the Darkness, and it's these aliens that come to Earth and they're they're looking to transmute human beings to be able to move them forward in evolution and to be able to do it, they actually remove their brains and put them into a cylinder and then the cylinders can talk and that's the way the human being can talk and then they can bring them light years to different planets so that they can experience what other life forms are like. And then when was, was that story written? Oh, in the uh, late teens, early 20s. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like Futurama where they have the heads in the little in the little tins. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's exactly, exactly where that was stolen from. Yeah. Yep. Well, I wouldn't say so stolen. I mean, it could be a you know it's a tribute. Let's not. <laughs> everything's stolen. Yeah, we rip you exactly. off all the time. <laughs> well, no one's debating that, Rogan. Now, did do people, wow. do people? I'm just busting you. I'm just busting you. Did, did, oh yeah, I know. Was Lovecraft? Uh, he's kind of intertwined with the esoteric uh, in a lot of ways. Is that something that kind yes of came no. along afterwards, or was he mixed up in in you know esoteric circles no. and he was writing this stuff? No, no, not at all. No, no he wasn't. He that was, was an old question. Was a, um, Which one do you mean? Well, he was a he, he was, was a xenophobe. Or he was. No, he was not. Okay, he was not involved in esoteric in any form. Well, you got to realize that you know I, I think and, and correct me if I'm wrong. What you're pointing to is the whole Necronomicon thing, where there's people that believe that this book is real and that's how you call up the elder gods and demons and stuff. Well, the Necronomicon doesn't really exist. I mean, granted, there is a hard copy of it that someone decided that they were going to publish, but it's not Lovecraft's Necronomicon. Um, the book, it was just a, a reference point within the mythos to have like a, like a, um, a depository of strange information. Like you could go to one particular book and, this is where all the spells and incantations were kept, and it was written by the mad Arab Al- Abdul Al-Hazred. And um, it was actually, uh, he came up with the name Abdul Al-Hazred. Um, it, was a, it was an anagram for um, uh, one of the people in the uh, Arabian Nights, the, the story of the Arabian Nights. And um, other, other authors actually looked at this, like Robert Block and... Um, August Dereleth and, and a bunch of other writers that were not not necessarily his contemporaries, but like pupils of his writing, and there were other people that were his contemporaries that used the book too because it was an easy place. It was you can just say the Necronomicon, and people that were in that circle knew what it was. Yeah. So he wasn't involved in in the esoteric at all. I mean, there are people that believe he was, and what he was actually there's actually a world that he's talking about, and then Cthulhu really exists, and the Elder Gods really exist, and. You know, yeah, and, and Pluto is really dark Yoggoth on the rim. You know, they, they believe that. They actually, they can believe you can summon a Shoggoth from the bottom of the ocean. But, I mean, none of that, it's, it's just, it's not real. But, I mean, people, people want to believe it's real. You know, there's people that believe Star Wars is real in an alternate well, universe. It can so. be argued in esoteric circles that since, since people believe it's real and they've created books that called the Necronomicon, Necronomicon, that it is real. It has become mm-hmm. real through belief in it being real. Uh, yeah, you could, it's been yeah, tulpified. You know what? So, I could start writing a book about Yeah, you could tulpify it. I suppose there's that possibility, but, I mean, 
it's like saying, okay, I'm going to write about how the Twinkies all came to life. And if enough people believe it, does that make it real? It's still absurd. No, but it's the idea that if you believe it, that something has power enough, that in a sense it does get its own form of power because it becomes powerful within itself. I think, well, yeah. Right. Like if it jumps up and itself. runs across the table, then it is real. I'm still going to eat it. <laughs> Which is what got here's, you in here's trouble. Here's what you should no, do. Here's what Here's what you should do, Lobo. Like, so, well, actually, maybe Rojan should do this since Lobo doesn't believe in the tulpification. Rojan, you, you just like concentrate. Well, maybe the both of you can do it then, okay? Maybe maybe you can do a mass experiment. Just, just concentrate on the – not now because we're live, but concentrate on the <laughs> Necronomicon. Try and tulpify it and then open it up and get the information out. be weird. Why the hell would I like want to do that? Zone episode. <laughs> Yeah, right? <laughs> Sounds like a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, why would I want to but do that, something yeah. like that? The reason why people believe it it's so much, I mean, you're familiar with the Evil Dead series, correct? Vaguely. I'm not a big horror fan. Uh, well, the Necronomicon's even spoken of in that, and that's a Raimi film. Yeah. So, I mean, people believe that the Necronomicon's real because, oh, well, it's in a movie, so it's got to be real. Is it a real bo- Are there real books that are written in, in bound in human skin? Yeah, we covered it in the last show. There are books that are written are bound in, and written in human skin. There are books that have been written with human blood. It happens, but does that make it special and magical? Like to some people, perhaps. The books that are actually bound in real human skin is another thing that really fascinates me. That's another creepy, weird thing that actually did happen. Um, right. Yeah. It, it, people, it wasn't you know, like a. It wasn't like a creepy. It wasn't seen as creepy at the time, though, right? It was kind of like, oh, that's, just how, that's how we do yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was still creepy. Oh, no, it was. Okay. I thought that was kind of like yeah. they ran out of stuff, so they no. just used skin. They were like, oh, we'll just use skin. All right, tell me about these one books that are wrapped that was... in human skin, then. Well, there was one guy that was being put to death. I can't remember. What we, I'm not sure if we covered him in our last show or not, but he actually requested that when he died that his skin be used to bound a book that told about his deeds that he did. Yeah, that was the highwayman that shot that guy. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> Um, so a lot of times when people people would do bad deeds or whatever, um, I think it also happened in the church as well. I can't I can't be one hundred percent accurate on that. But a lot of times when people would do bad deeds or whatever, they would their skin would be used to bind books as leather. They would be bound in such a certain way. Uh there's a book couple, that was made made from Burke's skin to cover yeah. that and he was Burke and Hare were the two guys that were killing people in, in uh England and giving their bodies to uh to a dissection place, so that they'd have a constant. They were they started off by digging up bodies, and then they realized it was just easier to kill people, so they started killing people, and they made a good you know a good deal of money on it. It's uh, well, wait a minute now. So I'm confused. They so bad people they would take their skin and make make them into books. Is that supposed to be like a yeah. is that supposed to be like like a like a chastisement from the whoever uh, you know the church or whatever? That seems kind of off the wall. Well, you know, why would you want to preserve these people? Why would, why would you want to glorify them by making them a part of a book? Unless they may, like wrap the Bible in them to try and it's ward a, it's out. It's a evil. way of saying this. It's it's just one of those it's one of those things that's like this is this this is what you pay for for doing these bad deeds. But there were also books written on anatomy that were bound in human skin. Yeah, they were um, like cadavers that they were that were there. Mm-hmm. You know. The uh, Brown University has three books that are bound in human yep. human skin. Yeah. Um, they're, they're out there, and you can probably – I think there's some that are actually on eBay. You can go buy uh, them. Uh, I don't know if they're allowed to sell anything that's considered human remains anymore. You, you might – I think – well, the, the, that's the laws in America, though. They might be different outside of America. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Because you can still yeah. buy cadaver bones and things like that. Well, you, well, can, buy, you can buy bones. Well, they have to be cleared. 
they yeah. have to be cleared for I bought a dead homeless guy like two weeks ago. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Oh, you're lucky. Did you go pick him up did you pick him up at the flagon? <laughs> you gotta know you gotta know the right people to ask, that's all I'm saying. You did. You picked him outside of the casket flagon, didn't you? No, you know I don't drink. <laughs> um <laughs> Tell me let's excuse me. I'm sorry I'm I'm holding on tight here, folks. We're 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 close to uh we're, we're we're riding the wave of uh, of stomach ailments here tonight. Oh uh, no! <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, we're going to be all right. If you Don't want worry. to take it back a little bit to H.P. Lovecraft, the book The Hound. Mm-hmm. They talk in that book um, about a couple of grave robbers mm-hmm. who actually have a locked portfolio bound in tan human skin yep. that held uh, certain unknown, unnameable drawings. You know, so, you know. If you want to take it back to that, we can tie it all back into that again. So yeah, these books are out. No, no, that's all right. I wanted to ask you about the um, you can connect it to this because the, the, uh, the part about the the book thing reminds me of a show you guys did, Death and the Immortally Challenged, which is about all these different death rituals around the world. Uh, I know I'm sort of oh, bringing yeah. this on you. Uh, is, that, is that too far in no, the ether okay. now for you to no to no, remember? No, 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 no. no. Oh yeah, ah, I think you remember. Spoken like a true producer, Rogan. I like that. So tell me, <laughs> what, what are these death rituals? Because I only I don't know anything about this stuff. See, this is what I like about Project Archivist, folks. They cover stuff that we don't even get a chance to yet on BOA Audio. And if you ever wonder why we don't do a serial killer episodes, because these guys have done such a good job on serial killers that it's like it would be it would be like me trying to play a song from their album. It doesn't make any any sense. Um, so tell me oh, about the uh, these death. Ri- it's true, man. It's true. Um, well, which one do you want to hear about? What about the death ritual? You want to? Well, we could talk about the Tibetan one, the Tibetan Buddhist uh, celestial barrels. Yeah, you remember that one? Yeah, yeah. Just pick your favorite. Pick okay. your favorite death ritual and tell the folks at home about it, so they can <laughs> find out what kind of stuff they learn about on PA. Things. Well, what Tibet, the Tibetans, uh, uh, Buddhists sometimes have a practice. What they'll do is they'll take the body, they'll have a funeral service for it, if you will, and then they'll do what's called a sky burial. And what they'll do is they'll. Um, They'll they'll chop up the body into pieces. They'll wrap it up, and then they'll take it up into the mountains and leave it there for vultures to feast on. And what it is is it's their in their idea, their the the soul has now left the body, so the body is inconsequential of their use. So they put it out and they let the birds come and feast on it. And that's that way. That's that's one of the ways when the bodies go back into the realm of the wild or the realm of the world, if you will. Um, like I think it was. Um, it still happens today. I think mm-hmm. uh, like 75 or 90% of Tibetan Buddhists still choose sky burial. Yeah, they uh, would. It's been observed for, you know, for a long for for thousands of years. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. one of those things that uh it's it's just something that they do. Um huh. there's all kinds of different ones. Uh there's the Viking funerals where they would put bodies on boats, um send the boats out and they would shoot arrows out and let the boats on fire and then the bodies would burn on the boat as it was going off into Valhalla. Oh, yeah, that's a famous one. Uh, yeah, that's a famous one. Yeah, that's, there's a bunch of them. There's the, um, they'd still do it on the River Ganges. They take, there's a, a funeral pyre. They put the body on the fuel, funeral pyre. They light it up. And then, you know, they they eventually kick it into the water for the River Ganges to take it away. And by doing so over the last hundred, you know, hundreds of years they've been doing it, um, there's actually a catfish that lives in the water called a gooch. It's a predatory catfish, and these things grow to six feet long and over 200 pounds because they've been feeding on human bodies for so long. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Uh, but that's, there's that. There's uh, ritualistic cannibalism. Um, a family member will die, and the, the family will eat parts of the body. That's done in uh, 
there, that was carried on for the longest time in Papua New Guinea. Um, there were certain tribes in South America that also. Oh yeah, the dinner invitation people. That's yeah. right. Yeah, um, there's a tribe in New Guinea. Um, every time they would have a death of a loved one of a woman in the family, there would be people within the family that would cut off one of their fingers for every time a woman in the family died or children in the family died. And it was a way of expressing pain. Yeah, it was a way of expressing pain for a family member dying off, and it was also a way of warding off the spirits. But basically what they would just do is they would just take an axe and they would just cut off a finger with an axe. And then they would uh, they were tied, you know, they were tied with a string, and they would take the finger, they would tie a string around it really, really tight, cut off the blood circulation, do it, and then they would just cut it off. Mm-hmm. But they they don't do that anymore. They they banned it. They don't ban. They don't have that practice. Well, they, they openly don't do the practice in New Guinea. But I'm sure, you know, it's still Christianity happens. came through. That's why. <laughs> Can't do that anymore. Yeah, because they realized that was they how they would express sorrow. Well, there's that. Jeez. You know, but, <laughs> yeah. They're like, you no, know how we've been cutting off fingers? Thing. I don't think that's a good idea because that guy over there who hasn't lost oh, no. any wife no. and kids, he's he's doing great. That guy with all ten fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we need they to reconsider this. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, there's a whole exactly. the death rituals are just they're 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 many and they're varied. They they run the gambit. Of, well, there's um, I want to there's there's death rituals for uh, in Mexico the Day of the Dead, Santa de Muerte, mm-hmm. uh, not Santa de uh, Muerte de Dios, which is the day that I think I'm pronouncing that right. I'm I, we just did no Santa de Muerte was the uh, the the death cult. That's the go- that's, so, the, that's uh, the saint of death. Yes, we just covered yep. her last show. The other one is. Uh, I'm gonna go back. I think we're gonna go back and touch on her again. Yeah, in the we future have. Here. We have to. But uh, there's a there's Who did you have on to talk about that? Ed. We just covered it ourselves. Yeah, we covered it. Oh, we covered good book information. On, uh, I had a guest on about it, and the, the, he had a good book. And then there's another good book that just came out. I haven't got a chance to look at it yet, though. I forget the name oh. of the guy. Shoot us the yeah, name. Yeah, I'll send it to you guys. It. What's that? Shoot us the name when you get around to it. Yeah, I will. We'd like to I have it. Uh... Yeah, but there's just there's there's a reverence for the dead that that is um, it's amazing because we're the only I don't want to say we're the only animals on the planet that that uh, mourn their dead because there's been there's been documented evidence of elephants and and that shows a certain level of sentience um, beyond what we'd expect it to have when you know mourning for for a dead loved one, but um, we have elaborate. Um, elaborate ways of showing it, going back to the days before the pharaohs of of what we do, how we revere the dead. You know, you think about even here in the United States, that you know, we had the the days of mourning where, you know, all the mirrors in the house were covered and a person was laid in the morning room of the house and they were laid at rest for three days for time to pass and to make sure that one the person's actually dead. And and two, that, you know, it was a place for the family to come because people had to come from long distances to be able to mm. to see their loved ones. So I mean we've we've there's always been a certain form of ritual involved with death. And then you've got the ones Why do you think that like the criminal ones. Let's let's get let's get speculative. Why where, where do you think that comes from? It's it's, What's it's that? the the uh it's the belief of our you know, it's it's the disbelief of our own mortality is what it is. It's what what drives us to, you know, it, it gives you a stark look at, at how finite your days are here. You know, we're as a species, we're a pretty freaking morbid species. You know, we uh, we have, you know, we spend 
thousands of dollars on headstones and caskets, and we have these great big services to talk about how great these people are, even when they were bastards in life. You know, when was the last time you went to a funeral service when you know someone was a complete and total prick, and somebody gets up there and touts how wonderful the person was? Yeah. You know, I've only been to a handful of funerals where people, yeah, well, people berate the person that died. You know, like, this guy was a son of a bitch and he deserved to die. I mean, even people that were known, like, horribly, horrible people, there's always somebody out there that says a, a, at least one kind word, even if it's just a pastor, you know. Well, then you also, you have the legend of the crossroads, where that came from, well, how they would do funerals for people that were convicted of hanging and stuff over in Europe at one time, and for witches as well. That's another off-the-wall one that that's where. Um, do you know anything about that? What's that chance? all about? The legend of the okay. crossroads thing. Over in Europe, um, they would have witch trials and things like that. But when they would hang a person, they would hang a person, they would try to hang them at a crossroads. And the idea was is that their soul would be, that they were so despicable and so despised, they wanted to make sure that their soul couldn't even carry on in the afterlife. They wanted them to be doomed to purgatory forever. So the idea was they would hang a person at a crossroads, and then they would bury the body at the crossroads right there, where that was the idea that you were buried at the crossroads. The symbolization goes between life and death. So they would take people and they would bury their bodies after they hung them at the crossroads. They would bury them in a crossroads at an intersection. They would bury them right dead or center at the, at the, in the middle of the intersection there. And the idea being that wow. we don't want this person to move on after life. Um, sometimes they would bury them with stones as well. If they were believed to be a vampire, they'd shove a stone in their throat or down their mouth and bust their jaw mm-hmm. before they buried them. Um, or they would also Jesus. put churches and stuff at crossroads for the same reason. Well, you also had the fact that you had some of these, some of the people that were hung. Um, they would hang. I mean, you hear about people that were hung on Boot Hill and and these different scaffolds and stuff. Well, there were there were certain people that were just revered as these horrible, horrible people. And when they hung them, they wouldn't even bury them. They would leave their bodies to swing and rot where they were, so that their body would you know go into dissolution and they'd never have any rest. So I mean, you had they're here in the states. Oh, Here wow. in the states, overseas, yeah, it was it was it was a common practice for people that they didn't want they didn't want them to have it. They didn't want them. First of all, they didn't want to bury them in consecrated ground or hollow mm-hmm. ground. They that was another want, reason they would bury them at the crossroads too. Yeah. They didn't want their bodies in hollow or consecrated ground. Yeah, they, they weren't allowed in the churchyards. Yeah, they weren't allowed in exactly. churchyard. They, they, a lot of uh, you look at some of the like where we are, Tim, in, in New England. You had people that were buried on the church because they were devout Christians or whatever. Or they were at least, you know, putting money in the tin and when it went around, and they were at church making pretend all the time. And then you had people that just weren't church-going people. The people that were in the church and paid their whatever, they were buried on the church ground. The other people were buried in the potter's field. It wasn't sanctified. It wasn't holy. It wasn't consecrated. It was a place for, you know, the quote-unquote heathens to be buried. You know, yeah. we have that here in Massachusetts, Connecticut, and, you know, New Hampshire. It It was... You weren't good enough to be buried amongst your, you know, your kin if you weren't baptized because your soul had never been saved, or you weren't, you know, you you didn't you didn't confess on your deathbed to anything, or you, you, you know, there's there's all kinds of you know these rules that we put on things that we have no idea what actually happens. You know, yeah. I don't, I've 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 never been dead, so I can't tell you. No, nah, it's debatable. Well, there's that. <laughs> I've heard about all that. I've heard about all that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's part of it too. I think is that people don't want, even like the crappy. Well, I guess it wouldn't apply to the uh, the story about the crossroads, but it's like with all these rituals and stuff, 
there's, I think there's certainly a part of like ego involved too, where you're like, oh, I, yeah. people, they they want to be treated. That's how they would want to be treated when they die. So there should be a big thing, you know, a big to do when you die. Yeah, and I, I so hope when how, I die, people everybody feels so kind of spread. Yeah. I don't, I don't want my death to be a sad, somber experience. I want people sitting around partying, laughing, and having a good time, and trying to make a good go of it. I don't want people bummed out, you know, like, oh, I missed them in life, and blah, blah, blah. You know, sit around and laugh at the stupid stuff that I did or whatever. <laughs> Unless you're finally yeah. murdered by Lobo. <laughs> exactly. No comment. Then everyone's, yeah, then everyone's going to be confused. <laughs> feel like How do you guys still celebrate his life? What, what's going on with Lobo? Oh, what, garden I yeah. Rock garden. Yeah, rock garden accident, exactly. <laughs> his head was cruelly crushed by a spade. <laughs> now, did you guys start out covering a lot of paranormal and then kind of move away from it, or was it always sort of something that you kept at arm's length? <sighs> That's kind of debatable. You know, the paranormal in a normal way it's covered. Yeah, we never wanted to do that. We never, ever wanted to cover the paranormal in a normal way. We've always gravitated to writers like uh, like Offit's a great one. And I think he's out there listening, too. I'm not positive. But uh, Offit, I was he really interested in the way that Offit Yeah, he might be. Um, he was one of the people that I really liked. I'm really interested. If somebody's going to cover, if we're going to cover paranormal, we're not going to cover Roswell. And if we do, we want to cover it in some way that no one has done yet or a different point of view or perspective. If we're going to cover, um, that's why when we did the show on Bigfoot with DNA, all right, well, if Bigfoot is real, then let's cover it from the perspective of how would science and DNA find it. If we're going to cover ghosts, we're going to cover it in some different way or try to do it in some different way than what's already being said out there. Um, We don't want to cover the same stuff that everybody else is covering over and over and over again, which is one of the reasons why we don't cover paranormal all the time, because you can only say so much about it at any given point in time. Um, we do the same thing. We try to do the same thing with science. Anything we try to cover, we want to give people a different perspective or a different viewpoint. Um, religion, things like that. We want to we want to cover the odd, crazy, weird aspects. One of the things that when I first started talking to Lobo, we always come down to this crazy gray areas in between all of this stuff that we talk about as much as possible, like death rituals that we just talked about. These are things that people don't normally talk about. It's something that's not out on everybody's radar, but it's very fiercely interesting. So we're very much interested in the gray areas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I always go, wow, our show is going through an evolution right now. And then I'll go back and I'll listen to our old episodes, and we're really not. You know, ever, like, ever since day one, we've always bounced all over the place and tried to be as random as possible as long as it's interesting, as long as it's something that's fascinating and something different that isn't being already said. Even when we do our little ramble casts and we cover off-the-wall news stories and we act like idiots, we try to cover stuff that isn't being talked about in a regular way. Like, we hmm. probably will not talk about the Malaysian airline thing because everybody's talking about it. There's no need for us to cover it right now because everything that can be said is being said or will be said. So we'll, we'll probably go out and find something completely different and off-topic. Um, cover some other just, mysterious things. missing plane. Yeah, well, something that would be a good topic. Weird, weird, other yeah. mysterious yeah. disappeared plane. We've kicked plane. that around. We've kicked that around. We were going yeah, to do exactly. an episode on the Bermuda Triangle with like the it was the Bermuda Triangle and it was the um, the Devil's Triangle or not the Devil's Triangle the um, the Japanese one. There's two different places. That I think that is the triangulation, but I'm not sure. Is it the Devil's Triangle? Yeah, there's a Great Lakes. It may be. Maybe. Yeah. So there's we were going to do a show at one point. 
of all of that. That, that was just, and it just got to a point where like there's just there's too much speculation. There's too much information here that's hearsay and conjecture. So what will happen is it'll end up getting stripped down. Here we, mm-hmm. we're, we're, this is like fourth wall stuff. What, what we'll do is when we get together to do a show, um, if we decide on something, like we'll just use the, the, the missing planes and just missing things for an instance. You know, we'll get together and we'll both shoot, it, shoot ideas back and forth, and then we'll come to a common place and we'll be like, all right, you know what, there's just, there's just not enough to grasp onto that's factual, but there's stuff here that's really interesting. So it'll end up getting weaved into another show as a, like a sidebar or an article or just a, Hey, here's a little bit of, you know, interesting information that'll end up getting, you know, weaved in, in like, and, and I don't want to say in passing, but that's almost what it feels like because it's not, we could put a show together that, that sounds, you know, that has to do with that. But at the end of the day, I believe, and I believe Rose sees it, we're, we'd be cheapening our standards by yeah. doing it, just the way we see it. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, we can go out there. If, if we, we kind of pride ourselves on the due diligence of finding our information, and I don't want to say completely fact-checking, but we've both been caught with our hands on our asses a few times with misinformation. But in the same token, we've taken it in stride. We're like, yeah, we were wrong. And then the next show will say, oh, yeah. we were wrong. Yeah. And here's yeah. the actual information. But it's just, See, it's just the way the show has gone from day one. When we decide we're going to cover yeah. something, like uh, one of our shows that really got a lot of attention was our show on Freemasonry. And we told people up front, this is not a conspiratory show. We're not here to talk conspiracy. But we will tell you where Freemasonry came from, how it moved from this country to America, um, what happened with Freemasons during the Civil War? Because Freemasons, you know, just because we still had the North and South, and there were still Freemasons on both sides of the border, so they were both, you know, firing at one another. We really wanted to um, give people that perspective. If somebody is going to, like, eventually we're going to do a show on the Illuminati. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a conversation with somebody I used to work with, and he was talking. He's like, yeah, the Illuminati is controlling everything. I'm like, whoa, what is the Illuminati? Well, they're the people behind the scenes pulling the strings. And I'm like, what are they? Where did they come from? Where they? I don't know, but, you know everything becomes catchphrases after a while. And we said, well, let's talk about this in the way that let's at least try to educate people. So when we do these kinds of shows, we'll take everything we can find, throw it into a big pot, and then we'll boil it down and we'll trim the fat off and we'll get down to what what is important and where the baselines and where this stuff comes from. And we caught a lot yeah. of crap behind the scenes for our Freemasonry show because we mm-hmm. didn't, we just weren't interested in in conspiracy. There's too much of it out there and if somebody's going to believe in that stuff, that's fine. You believe what you want to do, but start here and go from here. Do what you want to do. If you're if you're really into conspiracy, you're probably not going to like our show. But if you want to learn something, if you want to learn where everything starts from, if you want to learn the beginning of it, that's where you'll go. That's you know we're hoping that people will come here and walk away from it. But we've done that with a few shows. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Lobo did a show on um, which I wish he'd do another one like that. But he <laughs> did a show on Wendigos. You know, the legend behind Wendigos and things like that. Because it was, yeah. it's a cool topic. Every once in a while, you know, that's there's a lot of shows where I'll say, you know what, I want to do a solo show on this topic. And then we'll start talking, and he'll have a bunch of them put on it. And rather than it be like a solo show or one of his solo shows, we'll, we'll, we'll boil it down and we'll say, let's just both do this show together, and let's see where we can take this. And then that's why we don't do shows like that very often, because we really do put a lot of work into it. We put a lot of thought in how we're going to lay it out. 
And then eventually we just throw it on the table and we just jump in and go for it and see what happens. But as long as somebody's getting something different and informational out of it, that's what really matters to us. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to laugh yeah. at us for being stupid or whatever, fine, we're great with that. We've been called, um, somebody called us infotainment, which <laughs> I'm fine with. <laughs> you know, we want people really, that's why we're podcasting. That's why we got into this because it was like, let's, let's try to be different than all this crap that's out there because we know this side of the story and that side of the story and none of this is getting told. So, you know, we're not going to have, we're not going to have crazy psychics on the show. I'm not going to have nut job ufologists on the show. Um, we've gone back and forth about, you know, we've, we've had many of the conversations about having uh, Stan Freeman on. And I'm like, well, what more can we talk to him about that he hasn't already talked about that he's going to be willing to talk about? <laughs> you know, it's not that I don't like the guy. I'd love to have him on the show. But what, what can we do with this guy that hasn't been done or asked to him already? And Stan, as much as I love listening to the guy, once you get him on a roll, getting him off of a gear and into a different gear is kind of hard. So, yeah, you know, at, at the end of the day, I mean, we we all know people. Uh, Ro and I, I can't. I, I'm sure you do too, Tim. But we know people that are that are in the field of ufology that are doing. They're doing their due diligence. They're correlating information. They're they're following up on information that's been put down. And then you have the people that are just stark raving mad. And you have people right. that believe in psychic phenomenon that are doing their due diligence. People that are that are putting science into it and trying to figure out if there's a, a common base for what's happening. And then you have the whack jobs, but you have it, you have it, you have actual people that have boots on the ground doing their due diligence in any given field. And unfortunately those people are drowned out yeah, they don't by the crazies. And it's a shame because the people that are actually doing their due diligence are, they take it seriously and they whether or not I believe what they're doing is in my realm of I want something to look at, you have to respect them for their tenacity and what their what their passion is. You know, that's they believe they believe what they're doing. They believe what they're they believe in what they're doing, and you, you kind of got to respect that. But yeah. in a token, these these are the people that I'm talking about that don't try and force that stuff on you. They're like, this is what I believe. You don't have to. But this is what I look at. And I grew up a Jehovah's Witness, and that was shoved down my throat from a, a very young age. And when I came to my moment of enlightenment, it just it didn't hold that. I was done. It's, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. When, when something's shoved down your throat and they're trying to get you to, to believe what they're saying, it loses credibility. Yeah, that's why we're not, yeah. like, myself personally, I'm, I'm walking away from the skeptical community more and more all the time. And I've never really been a part of the hardcore believer community. I, I very much try to stay in that great area because that's where the really fascinating stuff is. Yeah. Um, you know, like the, I've, I've yeah, the been, as of late. Well, I've and I've tried to give it its respect. Within the last few months, I've really been hanging out in a lot of the chat rooms and the forums and, and a lot of skeptical websites. But more and more and more, I'm getting burned out on it because I continuously see this arrogant attitude of because I don't believe what you believe. I'm I'm superior to you. And the other the other side of the coin is the ufology crazy ghost hunting world where, you know, how's the term go? Um, a believer doesn't need evidence, and a skeptic there is no evidence. It's, you know, and it's the way right. it is. Well, that's the thing, though. I mean, you have people that are hardcore skeptics, and they 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 drift into the skeptic realm where they any person completely shuts down to any possibility, they're they're jipping themselves. Because the minute you shut down, all wonder is removed. And a, and a true yeah. scientist 
is always within that realm of wonder because they want to prove something happened or they want to figure out how something worked. It's the same thing with an engineer or a mechanic or, or anybody. That's, they want to know how something works. They want to tear it apart. You know, that's like when I hear people that are in the Bigfoot community, they're like, well, science would never want to want to find one of these things because it'd prove them wrong. No, it'd be a uh, wonderful yeah, no, thing. No. <laughs> it'd be a wonderful thing. And you talk to any legitimate scientist, they're going to be, that'd be great. I would love to find a species that doesn't exist or is little known. It's the same thing with someone that's in, in, uh, in anthropology. If they found a new um, religious group that just was, you know, thousands of years old and they stumbled upon ancient relics of what they were doing, they, they, would, make, they would make them an anthropologist of note. Their names would go in history books for doing it. So those are the kind of people that I respect. The ones that still have yeah. that sense of wonder, the ones that yeah, once have lost you start, all wonder. Once you lock into something, you start window painting, and you start and you start trying to come up with anything that's crossed at you. You try to take that to fit into your window mm-hmm. of your belief system, and I think that's kind of a dangerous thing to do. I don't. I think every. Well, I try to. I, I try to be fairly agnostic about everything that we talk about as much as I possibly can, but it's some, you know, except for what sushi. I still hate that stuff. Yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> but when you start, well, let me let me throw one at you here from Tyler because he actually sent me a question. Uh oh. Let's try to rein it in a little bit here. He says, uh, perhaps you'll you being me, perhaps uh, you'll be so kind as to ask them what drives them to do the show, why they spend their time, hard-earned money, and effort entertaining and educating us. So what? That's an interesting question. You know, behind it all, what's the what's because you could have all, you could have just wrapped it up and been like, "This is too much. I got too much going on." You guys are family. I do it for the and money and the business. <laughs> <laughs> no, what we made ten dollars now or something like that. No, uh, I, I can. I have no problem answering that question. So people learn. So people walk away with something new and something different. Um, plus, I learn as I do the show. Yep. When we do the show, it forces me to go out and learn and do these things because I'm still learning. The reason I listened to Banal of America and all these other shows was so I could learn stuff. And I still listen to you guys and these other shows because I still want to learn stuff. And I'll get an idea, I should talk about this or I should talk about that. Or Lobo will say the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then we go out and we learn ourselves to try to cover something new and something different. It's not yeah. fun to go out. That's another reason we don't like to cover the same stuff everybody else does because we've already we already know it. We've already heard it. And I, I think that's probably one of our downfalls is because I assume that since everybody knows about uh, since I know all about Rindlesham, everybody else probably knows about the Rindlesham UFO sighting, but they might not. But I just go, mm-hmm. well, you know what? That's being talked about. Let's try to find something different now. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the reasons why I still do it. Plus, for me, it's an escape from everyday life. If I didn't have the show. I go nuts. Like, <laughs> my favorite thing about the show is editing and making it sound good. Like Lobo doesn't do any of the editing or nothing. Nope. I, I love doing that. That's To me, it's alchemy. I take all of this stuff and I throw it together and I throw it out there and go, okay, people, interpret this. What's it sound like? And, yeah. you know, we'll stop. We'll take breaks. We'll record the show. And then when we start to feel that grind or if we have family stuff going on, we'll stop. We'll take breaks all the time. But if I go for too long without doing the show – I start to go nuts. I'm like, I, I got, I want to talk about this. I, I found this. I want to talk about that. And sometimes he'll call me up and tell me the same thing. Yep. And you know, it's like, all right, let's let's do this then. Let's figure this out. You know, I can only go a few weeks before I start start getting that weird twitch and ideas start building up in my head. So yeah. you know, I, for me, it's I want to teach people stuff and I want to learn more myself. It's it's part of the knowledge learning process. How about you, Lobo? What, you? what drives you to do all this? Same thing. I want, well, you know, I, I'm, it's the learning, it's the teaching, but it's more than that. It's, 
the dispelling of misinformation. You know, um, we've covered stuff on the show before that, you know, there's this common conception out there of, you know, X equals your variable. But in all actuality, there's a process in between there and your variable is different. You know, you'll have, um, like, what the heck, we we just had, we just had, um, the the uh, earthquake lights. We just covered a little bit on the earthquake lights. For years and years and years, there's been idea that when an earthquake happens, there's a piezoelectric effect of friction, and that may be causing the lights. And now they have video evidence of it happening. You know, same yeah, thing. That was, with, all, that was part of the par- that was looked at as paranormal for yeah, the longest time. It's the same thing with ball lightning. You know, yeah. for the longest time, it was like, no, that doesn't happen. It's you're seeing things. It's no, it's it's the whole idea of okay, there's, people are seeing something, you know, or people are learning something. There has to be a core basis for where it came from, and what's causing it. You know, to this day, there's people that believe that, you know, we got involved in the Civil War purely for slave for for the for the belief in slaves. There was a, there was so much more behind that. Than just the, the just the emancipation of, of slavery, there was so much more involved in it. And and if you go back and read about what built up to that point, there's just, I mean I went to a, I went to a, a technical school here in, in Connecticut, and we had the old textbooks. You know, when you're a state school, you, you get the leftovers. And um, yeah, you know, <laughs> read about the Hunley and. You know, I was sitting in the basement of a, of a friend's house with my wife, and the movie The Hunley came on, and she had never heard word one about what The Hunley was. Now, I had learned yeah. about it, you know, 15 years prior to that. But, and again, I, I've run into people that, that still to this day believe that we won the Vietnam War. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, yeah, we learned about it in school. We won the Vietnam War. I'm like, well, I don't know what school you went to or what books you were reading, but that, that, that's not how yeah, it Yeah, who happened. believes that? That's Jesus. How it was done. Yeah, there's, you there's people hanging out there that people Lobo. Who are these people? Who are these people, I, who well, are these people that you know? That... Yeah, well, it's all right. There's just yeah. Apparently, well, it's Connecticut. It's I, in the well, if it, to make you feel better, I said to somebody at work, we were talking about the Malaysian airline thing, and I was like, "Well, it could be like Amelia Earhart." She's like, "Who's that?" Oh yeah, oh, Jesus, yeah. I'm there's people old man. Yeah, there's there's a whole generation <laughs> of of people that have, that that don't know who Amelia Earhart is or what Flight 19 was or. I mean, believe it or not, there's people that don't know what Roswell was, which shocks me. You know, even just That's the story of Roswell. The yeah, well, probably, but I mean, there's people that don't <laughs> know what the false monster, false monster was, or 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 what the Hopkins, the Hopkinsville Gremlin was, or or a goblin, not Gremlin. You know, there's just so much out there that people. There's people that have never heard of of uh, the Mothman, the story of the Mothman. I'm like, wow, you know, even or the Jersey Devil. I'm like, great, it's, it's you know, these things may or may not exist. I don't think they do, but there's people that do. But the fact that these people don't have never heard of it, I'm like, where where did you spend your time growing? Oh, in front of a video game. Oh, okay. You know, people don't go to the library. They don't take out books. They don't read. You know, there's people that, that, are, that are being brought up right now that have never touched a paper book. They're reading off of Kindles and, and their, their iPads and stuff. So I'm like, wow, go out to the library and pick up a book. You know, learn. that's the thing too. Like with me, paranormal wise, all of the paranormal books that I read are very old. Mm-hmm. They're 
Like I read them off the tablet stuff because they're not in print anymore because they're so old. It's like most, yeah, but even most modern paranormal books, I don't want to read now because it's just the same recycled junk. You know, watered down for so long. So you know, like my house coming out that's good though. People that are actually doing their due diligence. Yeah, I've got a wall full of paranormal books here, and my kids are allowed to read any of them. You know, I've had my daughters picked up a couple of them and done some reports off like haunted White House and things like that. Um, so, you know, I, I make it a point to try to read stuff as much as I possibly can. That's like, you know, the whole Lovecraft thing. It's kind of funny. We were talking about you know, Lovecraft last week and how we've been going back and, or I've been going back oh, yeah. and reading old books to see if they still hold the same significance to me. And I look at kids now and it's like you said, it's like they're on their iPhones and stuff like that. And we've got the internet, which is the most vast repository of knowledge we've ever had. It's, it's our modern day library of Alexandria. And all we use it for is cats and porn or you know, <laughs> update statuses and things like that. I'm like, people, yeah. go use it, you know, use use what's out there because everything's out there. It just needs to be found, you know, yeah. and it blows my mind. Um, hopefully, as people get older and kids get older and they get more focused and stuff in life, they'll, they'll go out and find these kinds of things. Probably. You know, I, I sit all, all day right. long when I have time, you know, post stuff. Now I got I opened it up here. We got about fifteen minutes left, so let's do lightning round. I opened it up to chat questions. So uh Manuel Navarrete wants to know who would be your absolute dream guest to have on the show. Whew. Man. Wow. Um You don't have to if you, if you don't want to give it away, you can just be vague if you want. Degrassi Tyson would be one of them. Oh, uh, yeah. Jacques Vallée would be one of them. I'd love to talk to Jacques Vallée. Kill Kaku. I would love Kaku to talk would be to great. Kaku. Yeah. Kaku's very open-minded. Okay. Um, oh, shoot. Um, Dr. Sykes, I'd love to talk to Sykes. I'd like to have Todd Disitel on to talk to him. Disitel would be fun. Yeah, Disitel would be really neat. He would be very cool. Um, All right. People that are pioneers that are, you know, looking looking to do different things than what's already out there or are saying different than what's already out there. Yeah. Um, Okay, next one here. Uh, Is there any topic you want to cover but haven't for lack of credible information on it? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Illuminati (laughs) is a big one. Uh, We deal with that battle every week. There's Uh been so many times where I've sat down and said, let's cover – like the Illuminati, I've I've tried to cover that show four times. And every time I sit down and cover it, I call Lobo and say, I can't do this. There's too much bullshit out here. It is. It is. We will cover that topic. You know, um, I really, yeah, well, Alistair Crawley, the misconceptions of Crawley. I mean, how do you, yeah, how do you tackle that? The whole dark magic, as opposed to what you know, actuality. At any given time, I've got fifteen ideas on the back burner. At any time, I, I've got a okay. notebook of stuff that I just write stuff down in. All right, here on Facebook, Jason Offit informs me that the correct answer to the last question was Jason Offit. So. <laughs> Haven't we tried to have Offit on? We did ask him once or twice, but he's busy. Yeah, he's dude. He's a busy man. Yeah, Offit can be a bit of a diva. Of this, so. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I didn't say that. Yeah, I would like to. <laughs> no, no, no. Now that I know he's listening, I would like I had to, to have you on. I do want to have Offit on, but I want to talk to him. If it's in regards to paranormal, don't give it away. Don't give. Well, I don't know. Whatever. Just text me. Just contact each other through Facebook. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. We're, we're we're crossing like eight realms here to, to have this conversation Next. between you guys in office. So it's not. Yeah, we're gonna bump into the Malaysian plane. Uh, <laughs> let me see here. 
Uh, all right, Sater has an honest, awkward question. He wants to know what you guys think of Eerie X. I don't even know what that is, Ooh. so you can no comment. It's another anymore. radio show, and honestly, I haven't listened very much to it at all. I listened have no to the first episode they had, and I, I just yeah, not couldn't tell you. I've... Sater, you have my you have my uh, Skype, you have my phone number. Call me, I'll yeah, we'll talk. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's a conversation for the bar, Sater. Not not a. Uh, that's not funny. I love you, Sater. I know why you're doing it. <laughs> uh, Brian Small wants to know if you're ever going to do a show on earthquakes. Oh uh, yeah, we got to get who are we going to have? We, we're going to talk to um, Rob. You get Rob Father on. Yeah, I know why he's asking that too. We did it. We lost that. Got thrown in. The, that got lost in the cracks. Eventually it'll happen, but again, we go back to the earthquake lights things, and if we're going to do a show on that, it's going to go back to like the earthquake lights and things like that, things about that are weird about earthquakes that don't normally get covered. Right. And finding someone who has that information to come on and talk about that is what we're interested in. Like the whole concept of California going to fall into the ocean. Is that really going to happen? What causes earthquake lights? Is there any merit behind them? Now they're beginning to find out that, yeah, they're real. So, yeah, eventually we'll do it, but it's finding the people with the pertinent information that know what they're talking about to come on and do it. Yeah. Next. Uh, up, go ahead. No, next. Next question. Oh, there you go. Okay, all right. <laughs> relax, Lobo. Relax. I'm running the lightning round here. <laughs> These people chat so fast, I can barely keep up with them. Opinions on Cosmos. I presume they mean the TV show. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what more do you need? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't even watched it. I do. <laughs> I, I can't call it. It's worth yeah. it. Go out and pirate it if um, you have to. It's, it's, it's worth pirating. No, no, I have. Yeah, no, no, no. I could, I could watch it. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> I just don't it? have the time. That kind of thing. Uh, um, it says, uh, you guys should have an occultist on, or is that redundant? Have you had an occultist on? It's in the works. Um, yeah. I will say that we're definitely going to be talking to somebody in the field of Satanism soon. Yep. And we're okay. going to be working. We're going to be doing the the concept of occultism. It's the idea of how we're going to cover the concept of occultism. I don't want to cover it. I don't want to do a typical Aleister Crowley show on occultism. We're going to cover again different aspects of it that you normally wouldn't hear from different places. It's just a matter of lining the guests up. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I hear you. That's one of the. <laughs> I'm in the same boat. Sometimes you you have a good idea and you got to find the right guest or. You know, that's a big part. You get of a good problem. guest, and you're not sure how you're going to really run, run it out there. So I know exactly what you mean. Uh, let me see. There was one more. Oh, Manuel wants to know if Fred Phelps is going to heaven or hell. It's not up to us. Exactly. It's not up to you us. So <laughs> you, you know. Well, you got to look at you got to look at the fact that if someone believes what they're telling, what they're preaching is truth then no matter how much we hate what the person said or has said, it's not up to us. There's no proof that there is a heaven or a hell either way. So, I mean, again, are they going to go to a place where there's butterflies and chocolate rainbows? I don't, I don't know. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. And it, that's, uh, I mean, if it were up to me, the, you guy, think, the guy would go to neither. He'd be stuck in pur- if it were up to me, the guy would be stuck in purgatory forever. You know, if that was ever, if it were given to me and my option, you know, well, yeah, sure. Like again, at the end of the day, it's you know whether or not we hate what the person said or did, or or what, whether our beliefs go against what they believe, it's not up to us. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Uh, Manuel wants to know: Will you ever have someone from the Church of Creationism on the show? Nope. No. 
No. That's not going to happen. <laughs> no. I, I, I would be cool with talking to the guy, but again, like it goes back to the, do we want to have raving lunatics on the show? Like, yes, that well, is. Yeah. I, I wouldn't blow up that quick, Adam. No. Well, you're well, just yeah. guest. Oh, all right. See, you know, you don't just try and trip them up the over and over again until it got uncomfortable. But that's not our way. We're not going to have somebody on the show that we're not looking to have somebody on the show that we're going to argue with. If it's somebody that we don't agree with or their views are too far out there, we're not even going to bother wasting the time to have them on the show. Like Melba right. Ketchum, we would never have her on the show just because of all the controversy and stuff around her, and it would turn to us flipping out on her. And which, it would do a disservice to us and to them. We're not, in the, we're not within the realm yeah. of disrespecting people. Yeah, we don't want to have okay, somebody on just to go. disrespect their ideas and their viewpoints. And if Lobo went nuts, I'd let him go. I'd probably let <laughs> him on. So, you know, it's not we're, – we're not here to we're, – we're not we're not on to have – to belittle people or tear them apart. When we have somebody on, we're genuinely interested in what they're going to talk about. I'm not interested All in right. what the Church of Creationism has to say. All right. Now, uh, Rudy wants to know if you'll be having a live show anytime in the future, aside from this Ooh, little that's experiment. still – we're we're still trying to, to be determined. Out. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. I I think the the, the problem is hosting one because it's expensive. I know you've offered your services to us behind the scenes, so it's possible we might eventually do some kind of a live show. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it was one of those nights, probably. But um, I uh, I don't know how our show show. I don't know how our show would work. I've got control issues. Like I have to be able to go back and polish the product up that we record as much as yeah, I possibly yeah, yeah. can. And to do a live show and put it out there, I'm not. It's it's not having a net's kind of uncomfortable for me. Like I'm really really rough on going on other people's shows and doing interviews on other shows. Very few people have had me on. I get asked a lot, but I'm like, well, I'm busy. I've got flesh eating bacteria. Um, no, 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 you've done good. You, you do good. Yeah. So for uh, me to do a live. I got to rush you here because uh, we 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 got yeah. the Seder character. He called in here. He gets one minute because we got like four oh, minutes yeah. left. Wait, wait, to call at the very end of the show. So we'll give him a minute here. Sater, you're on the air, buddy. What's up? What is shaking, sirs? You are all fine. Hey, Sater. What's Hello, going on, dude? I told you you have a minute. You might want to speak a little faster yes, than that. Yes, we're running out of time. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to make this really quick. Uh, Tim, thank you for having these guys on the show. It was amazing. Loba, Rogan, I love you guys. And that's that's all I really have to say. So thank you for this. It's been a thank great you, evening. Love you too, brother. Oh, wow. I didn't mean to rush you. No, he really uh, he went, he went too fast there. Hey, I can, I can go slower. Yeah. <laughs> I can go slower. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. He, well, he was one of the people good. that helped you get us good, out Sater. there. Yeah, I think you said that earlier. Do you have your own show, Sater, you want to plug? I do. Sure. Uh, swing by the-bunker.net and be offended because we do that. It's awesome. <laughs> All right. The bunker's awesome. So what's, what's, the, what's the URL for that? Well, the Heisen Bunker? Uh, the-bunker.net. Yeah. Spell that. Uh, T-H-E hyphen, the little dash, uh, B-U-N-K-E-R dot net. Or find us on Facebook or, you know, all the things. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm not all right. Thank you for calling in, Sater. Uh, your, your contribution to the program will definitely be uh, fondly recalled. Remember, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Love you, Sater. It's all right, pal. It's all right. <laughs> Love it's you all guys. Right. Thank you. Peace. Have a good night. Thanks for tuning in, buddy. All right. There he goes. That was nice. I'm not sure what that was all about, but...
Neither do, neither it's always nice to have someone. <laughs> Welcome to our it's, family. It's very late at night. I'm <laughs> not sure what, what these... Oh, it is. Cedar he's saying the bunker dot... I thought there was something before the... Between the the and the, the bunker. That's why I was confused. It is the hyphen bunker dot net. Oh, see... I thought it was like some kind of bunker, like the Tyson bunker or something. So I'm like, what are you, what are you saying, dude? He's, yeah. No, so, the name of the show is Transmissions from the Bunker, and the the, the URL is the hyphen bunker dot net. It's uh, right. it's, it's Sater uh, Pastor Recoil. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's good stuff. Well, you we only got 90 seconds left, so ah! let's say good night to the folks tuning in live. Thank you very much, uh, everybody. Uh, Sater says he was tipsy. I think we figured that part out. But thank you, everybody, who tuned in tonight. <laughs> Amazing turnout in the chat room. Uh, we'll definitely have to do this again with these guys because it, it definitely turned into something pretty wild in there. And I, I really do appreciate the awesome energy that you guys brought and uh, picked me up a little bit here. As I as said, uh, I'm, I'm kind of under the weather here. But thankfully, we had no incidents or accidents, which is always fun. Uh, I'll include the plugs <laughs> At the uh, end of the show, after I say goodbye to the live audience, of course, we got to plug ProjectArchivist.com. Pretty simple, ProjectArchivist.com. The guests uh, tonight have been Rojan, Razorwire, and Lobo Matthias. They are the hosts of this outstanding program. As you heard, we covered a bunch of stuff that uh, we never really do on BOA Audio, and I really do appreciate the stuff they're doing, even though sometimes they do stuff that I want to do. <laughs> I appreciate it that <laughs> oh, somebody else ways. out there doing stuff to, to try and make me get better. And, and like you said, it goes both ways, trying to keep each other on our toes. So thank you guys for coming on the show. And once again, thanks to all the folks who tuned in live. There we go. All right. They're all gone now. Thanks, guys. I really do uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Thank Hopefully you, I held up. Cool. We're still recording now, so don't say anything offensive, Lobo. Oh, um, like what? <laughs> you, I think that pause was you trying to come up with something offensive. But anyway, I yeah, come thank up you guys. Go. I, I, no one doubts your ability to come up with something offensive. Wow, nice. that, that chat room cleared out fast. <laughs> this yeah, now we went from like out. 25 people yeah. to two, to two in one wow. minute. My wow, goodness. Yeah, I, didn't Brian I didn't want to be distracted. Yeah, it was it was it was yeah. it was a wild uh, it was a wild happening in there. It felt a little bit like a party, cool. which I do appreciate for a Saturday night show. Uh, let me just throw my plugs here, and then I'll let you guys get going because. Uh, as I said, I've been I've been hurting. Hopefully, uh, didn't come off too noticeable tonight. But it's, no, uh, not at all. It's 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 like the stomach ache from hell, and it's not from drinking or anything because I haven't had anything to drink in a while, so it's pretty uh, frustrating. At least it's just like the stomach ache with all the good parts. <laughs> anyway, if you're listening to the show right now at Blog Talk Radio and you have no idea how you found us, we are Banal of America. You can find out more from us at banalofamerica.com, B-I-N-N-A-L-L of America.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just punch in Banal of America. That will bring up the page. Like us if you would like to. Although I heard recently, I, this is, I don't know if you guys heard this story, but apparently now Facebook is, is like tightening, tightening the, the, the flow of these pages unless you pay. What? Really? So, yes. yes. So like, oh, let's say you have 1,000 likes. Yeah. They're they're only going to let your stuff get out to like ten percent of your liked audience. Uh, they've, yeah. they've slowly been doing this. They informed like GE and Nike and stuff that this is what's going to happen, and everyone's mad because everyone's spent the last ten years saying like us on Facebook, and now it's like you got to get you got to pay Facebook to reach yeah, all the people that liked you. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, yeah. but until that all happens, like us on Facebook. 
Um, and you just <laughs> listen to the show for free, as you heard from uh, Rojan or Lobo. I'm not sure which one. These live shows do cost uh, cost a bit of money here to get on the blog talk and to do the two hours. And, of course, uh, the tape shows cost quite a bit as well because we talk to folks all over the world. So if you could help us out, that would be great. Stop on over to Banal of America and click the PayPal button. That'll bring you to PayPal. They'll walk you through the process. It's safe, secure, and simple. But if you don't trust the Internet and you want to make a snail mail donation, you can mail us off something to our P.O. box, and you can find the address also at Banal of America. On the next edition of the program, it's probably going to be coming at you a week from today, so March 29th. I believe it's going to be a pre-recorded episode. Our guest is going to be Albert Rosales. He's done an amazing job of collating all the various extraterrestrial alien entity sightings and cases that have been reported for decades, if not centuries. And uh, He's put together an amazing website. We talked to him about his work doing that. So I'm about 90% sure that'll be coming at you on March 29th, Saturday, maybe Friday. I can't say for sure, but sometime around the end of next week. And then hopefully in about a week and a half, maybe two weeks, we'll also have the baseball special. I'm already getting ready to put the band back together. I'll be taping a bunch of shows or a bunch of segments for the show next week and uh, hopefully get as many folks back on this year's special as possible and then just taping a whole bunch of stuff. It's been a crazy month for me, working a ton, kind of threw off the schedule of the show, and of course, now that I'm done working so much, I've got this hellacious uh, stomach bug. So hopefully by Monday or Tuesday, I'll be back 100%, and uh, we'll be ready to dive into this free time that I've managed to carve out over the next few weeks. And with all that said, thank you once again to Rojan and Lobo. And on that note, I bid you all farewell, my friends. Until next time, this is Tim and all. Thank you for listening and signing.